3: Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins.
0: That's right. Keep your rider die alive at eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
3: Let's try to let's try to call Are you. Recording yet, Andrew? I am. All right. Let's try to call Freddie. See, see, see his status. Hey,
4: you reach Freddie? Is right now? is that yeah, even a to ring? Call you back as can.
3: Thanks. So if you wonder where Freddy's at, it's... At tone, your should we leave him a message? Hang up or
4: press it should, like should just be post. the whole
5: podcast yeah, we'll until
3: just he gets feel... here. Freddie, you're a piece of, <laughs> of Where are you at? <laughs> this is Columbia all over again. <laughs> <laughs> the following is a production of Dirty Mode Media. Door. Bumper. Clear. Clear by 2 pretty
1: really shallow entry. Door. Bumper clear. Hey,
2: everybody, I'm TJ Majors. Spotted a bunch of late models this week, a truck, and a cup car. Let's be wasting my time giving out the
3: numbers. You were busy. That's a busy week, but I didn't know how to wear sunblock. I'll tell you that much. You were busy at a great racetrack, man. Brett Griffin, spotter for Chandler Smith College Racing this past weekend. I would uh, kick this to Freddie, but he ain't here. So I'll kick it if to our... If you
0: see l- him anywhere, please send him to the studio. <laughs>
2: yeah, the last known image of Freddie was about nine hours ago. <laughs> and he does
0: not look sober.
3: Was yeah. it, what, what was he on? Twitter? Yes. Is it, that the picture he sent of me? Yeah. Yeah. That's the last known image. Yeah, he didn't even ask if he could take my picture.
0: And then he started tweeting <laughs> responses to a ton of people, so...
3: Oh, nice. Well, yep. Casey, I'll, uh, I'll let you kick, kick this thing uh, to well, work. I don't know. I'll act like Freddie is Well, and say, I just
0: want to first shout out the birthday boy here.
3: So I gotta tell you guys before I introduce our awesome guest Artie Kempner, I have I went to the tweet up yesterday, and I'm guessing there were thousands of people there. It was packed, and they all sang me happy birthday.
0: But it's not. It wasn't your
4: birthday.
3: No, it wasn't my birthday. But it was in a day, yeah. I'm gonna see him today. Hey, so. it's your birthday week. That's what Casey goes yeah. by. So, I mean, so without birthday
4: month, I'd be fine with without
3: that. further ado. I gotta kick it to my good friend who I met over 20 years ago, thanks to the Sadler family, uh, and obviously at some point I would have ran it to you anyway. My um, good friend, Artie Kempner for the Fox Sports. Artie, how you doing, brother? I'm doing great. It's really neat to be here. I actually listen to your podcast. Well, I know. That's how you ended up on here because you text me and Millions. corrected me on, on on something that was said on the show, <laughs> um, which we won't talk about. But <laughs> but you were like, Brett, TV doesn't do this. We do this. And I'm like, okay, would you love to come on our show? Because I didn't know you listened to the show. Well, so, like, do you have any pull with the, the choose deal when they do it backwards? <laughs>
1: okay. The answer is yes. I do. <laughs> So we did, we did change it. Did you guys remember when we changed it?
2: No, I haven't looked and at it. We was,
1: changed it, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, I think the graphics operator forgot that we changed it, and all of a sudden <laughs> it was back to where it was. And Clint keeps going, what are we doing that for? I go, I'm not sure. <laughs> so sometimes, even though I'm in charge,
3: apparently yeah. I'm
2: not mm-hmm. in
1: charge. You'll have that.
2: I'll so work on that.
3: One thing I didn't know about <laughs> Artie before we invited him on the show is, is obviously you have an amazing career in journalism, you, you were one of the first uh, directors to join Fox in 1994. Uh, I was 19 years old, I think, in 1994, already not trying to date you here. Uh, but you played college football at Florida.
1: Yeah, I used to be much taller. <laughs>
3: so, yeah,
1: I weighed like 235 pounds. What did you play? What <laughs> oh my position? God. I was an outside linebacker. I liked to run Dang. into things back then. and. Television actually was the best way for me to run into things yeah. as well. <laughs> so that's how you Sports did it. television. Yeah. So,
3: so where did you go to high school?
1: I, uh, I, I grew up on Long Island uh, oh in New York, yeah. <clears throat> well, so, Freddie's not here. Yeah, that's where he I grew up. I, I know Freddie's in New York. He had his Giants hat on, like my, yeah. everybody in my family. So, uh, yeah, I have an affinity for Freddie if we ever do find him.
3: <laughs> believe it or not, I think he'll show up. I, I believe he will as well. So you went to high school in Long Island. How would you end up in Florida? Um. I went down
1: there to play football and pursue my journalism career.
3: Yeah. Did they <laughs> recruit you to play ball?
1: Yeah, but lightly. Who was, who was coaching that? Uh, Doug Dickey at first, and then I played for Charlie Pell, which was give them hell, Pell.
3: Give hell, Pell.
1: Yeah, we did all right. We went 0-10-1 in 79, and then we went to two straight bowl games when I was there. Wow, yeah. that's fun. Yeah, it was really fun, especially the two bowl games. The yeah. 0-10-1, not so much. No
2: that, yeah. no, that
1: wouldn't be a great year. But, no. hey, you still got to go to a- – Really great school for football, and I did. Actually, it's a school I probably couldn't get into now because the academics are way higher than when I was there.
3: <laughs> so you probably have, and listen, we've had a lot of guests on this show. I mean, I'm talking, Dell Jr., who? Dell Jr. Oh, the Pied Piper. You, you've, you've, yeah, yeah, I've heard. You've heard, yeah, of, you, him. You've heard yeah. of him, uh, Blake Shelton. I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. We, we've had big guests. We've never had a guest with a job that's actually important though so you're still gonna keep that streak going <laughs> no 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 you're changing the streak <laughs> me we, right i mean we've never had a guess this important
0: or you, you are the first one well i'd like to say that can really call the shots but i think we all know that
3: Dan yeah your role's can. a little different <laughs> like he's actually got a real job yeah, you yeah. actually could actually make decisions oh, and stuff i
1: think you're making a lot more out of this and i, I, I mean the hardest
2: I mean, part of Dell jr's day is what he's gonna eat for lunch i mean uh, you <laughs>
1: No, i know that i understand that
3: <laughs> I, I was around him back when you started. Go ahead and cut you know, that out, guys. No, the I'm just the, the <laughs> hardest part of his day used to be what time was he going to get up? Well, yeah. And, and then, yeah. He had, then he had to hire people to get him up. Mm-hmm. TJ, am I lying? No, you that's. That, that, him no, there's, how many times do you think Mike Davis had to go in the bus and wake Dell Jr. up to start his professional work day? Hundreds Yeah, of I'm times. not going to answer that question. It's hundreds I couldn't of times, hear you. Trust me. I can't hear you, bro.
1: I know he missed a lot of TV shoots, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's he probably missed a Mike lot Davis of everything. Yeah. We'll yeah. blend that on Mike. Hey, days. let's move on from Dale G. But the he Pied had Piper. But he
3: had <laughs> before you guys all lose your job. You you. Now nah, we're good. Oh, hey, we've been way worse. He did not text me back this week, which yeah, tells me. me he's mad at me. This he week, tells me a so boat anyway. He texts me right back, so he must be mad at me. Oh, yeah, he's totally mad at me. But you literally have a an important job, obviously, not only in the world of sports, but in the world in general. So tell me, how do you get to be the lead director? Tell, tell me a little bit about what it takes to get from playing football at Florida. To becoming the lead director for Fox Sports? Well I, I think it's kind of a little crazy ride. I
1: mean the reason I'm in sports television is because I love sports. I mean I didn't love TV. I do now but I love sports and I just didn't want to stop playing. I always tell people I ran out of ability at Florida. I saw what real football players looked like and how they played and then I just wanted to pursue some type of Career in sports, I was going to be a coach. I actually coach high school football now. Do you really? Yeah, I do. I coach with my father: You look like my in law You look like a I coach, do like I used <laughs> to wear those bike shorts, those tight bike shorts when I was in college. <laughs> I figured I could make a career wearing them. So anyway, I, <laughs> I literally bumped into TV in a lot of ways. I helped out on a, a big swim meet uh, that CBS did in 1982, and I walked into the TV truck. they let me come in, and it was like okay, I want to do what that guy's doing. I didn't know what that guy was doing, but he was the director. And I literally have pursued that career from that time on. And I love it just as much now as I did when I started you know, working in 1982. So in 1982, where did you start at? Because obviously you I, didn't start at the top. <laughs> no, I did not start at the top. I was a, a runner, a gopher, and a researcher. So I started there and I'm from New York, so it was kind of easy to move back to New York. I kind of talked my way into getting a job, kind of pursued it pretty heavily. I was very persistent. I showed up at CBS and kind of snuck my way in, started talking to some people. And uh, you know, if you show up enough times, people think you work there. Yeah. So I was doing, I was, you know, I was a runner. I was running. If somebody needed a coffee, I got coffee. Somebody needed some information. Somebody needed some research. It was for internet research. Is a yeah, I was going to say, back
3: then you had to actually go.
1: Yeah, you had to go it. find stuff. Yeah. Right. Books, you know, mm-hmm. all that. So you know,
3: you know what an encyclopedia is. I do
2: know what an encyclopedia is. A lot of our listeners probably don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Dewey Decimal System, things like that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, all the big stuff that's yeah. important now. So yeah. you're a researcher. I was a researcher. And then what do you then what do you get into next?
1: Um, researcher, and then I become a broadcast associate, which is that first rung on the ladder for sports. You know, in, in our world of TV, and uh, then you're doing the graphics, and it's really it's you're producing the graphics for the for the show. So the producer and the director are kind of running. You know, they run the show. I always tell people, the producer's the head coach and the director's the quarterback. So the producer has a vision of what they want to do, and the director's kind of carrying out that vision. And when you're the BA, you are responsible for the graphics, and it's harder to get graphics up than it is to cut pictures, <laughs> yeah. you know, to change your pictures. So it was a great experience. Um, I loved doing it. I love researching it. I loved the games. I loved the action, the intensity, the sense of urgency, and it was like, okay, I found my calling in a lot of ways. So I've been so fortunate, you know, that I kind of found this and I kind of fell into it in a lot of ways. What all sports have you covered? I've basically covered everything but baseball and soccer. Wow. I've never done baseball because when Fox got baseball, I was wrapped up in, of course, NFL, and then we were doing the NHL hockey back then. Yeah. So, and then we got NASCAR, you know, we basically bought the NASCAR package in 2000, and that, that started my career in NASCAR, but I had done NASCAR starting in the 80s with CBS. Like, yep. my first 500 was 85. Wow, that had been yeah. fun. Yeah, it was unbelievable. No, rest- no restrictor plate. Yeah. The first time I walked on a track, guys, I walked out onto the concourse, and they were practicing, and those cars were coming into the tri-oval and I thought they were on, it looked like they were on rails because they wanted a crash.
4: Yeah, but and they
1: then, didn't. And then they didn't. Yeah. And they were going like two ten then. I think Bill's Flying, I think Bill's yeah. time was like two oh nine and change.
3: Yeah, his his record was two twelve at Talladega. Two twelve. Yeah. yeah. At two
1: oh nine I thought of Daytona. And it was like, Oh man, this is so freaking cool. But I used to go to Dirt Track, uh, Freeport Freeport Speedway, where the next town over from where I grew up. We would go there once a month. So I've always kind of loved racing. David Pearson's my favorite driver. Same here. Of all time. South
3: Carolina guy. Yeah. Yeah. Silver I'd,
1: Fox. Silver Fox drove that Mercury 21 Purilator, and I like, I watched that stuff.
2: So, were you like a dirt modified guy back then? I wouldn't
1: know the difference between like all the stuff that you've driven. (laughs) I had no idea what that was. I went to the dirt track, and it was fun.
2: Oh, I just enjoyed the show. I did. And we should go to Millbridge.
1: We don't, we don't have any. We got, we're down to one racetrack on uh, on Long Island. They used to have like 35 or 40 of them. In really? Riverhead. Is that the only one left? Riverhead's the only one left. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's unfortunate because it's such a cool experience to do yeah. it. I mean, here in the Carolinas, you've got we do. options. You
3: we know? do have a lot of options. And as we saw
1: here. in North Wilkesboro, people love their racing down here. Yeah. And that's one of the coolest deals I, I've ever done.
3: So you've done, you came in 2001. So, so tell me this. Transition me here. You left CBS for Fox. When you were at CBS, what was your job? And when you got to Fox, what was your job?
1: So I had started directing in about 1987. I directed the U.S. Open tennis uh, on
3: cable. Holy cow.
1: Yeah, and, um, and then I kind of started moving up the ladder. Mm-hmm. I, I worked with, um, with great teams and great people. That's part of the thing that draws you to TV. Mm-hmm. Me is that I've, I'm 64 years old, and I still play on a team. Think about that. Yeah. you know It's the greatest thing going, and we have an incredible team in NASCAR. But at CBS, I started, doing, um, I started doing all sports. We did everything back then. We had the basketball tournament. We had the NBA. We had, well, we had just gotten baseball, um, besides the NFL, and college football. So you talk about a, a sports junkie. I had it all. Plus, we always had the Daytona 500. We always did one of the Talladegas. We always did Michigan. And then we actually did the Detroit Grand Prix. Wow. Yeah. So I I got a chance to either AD those shows or start directing. And then one of the things I almost didn't leave CBS for was I I had started directing the Masters with Frank Cherkinian.
3: Oh, my
4: gosh. uh,
1: Who was the golf guru of all time, uh, production guy. And I had directed the last two Masters when the Fox thing happened. It was like NFL Masters. And it was like the NFL, there's a whole year of games, you know, 16 games back then and uh, the masters is one event and how much time uh, does that
2: take to prepare for though the one event, like when the, do you start?
1: Well, the the Masters, like, like the Daytona 500, you, you start months out, mm-hmm. and it's not just a techno setup. It's like production-wise, what are you going to do? Uh, the interesting stories you're going to tell. You know, what year is this? What's the anniversaries? Who's uh, who's important? So you're always kind of thinking about that. We do this for every race, by the way, mm-hmm. and every event we do. But when you're doing the Daytona 500 or an event like the Masters, you're you're out on it much earlier in the in the program. Yeah.
0: What it tell? I mean. Tell us what that looks like, too. I don't think people realize that there are so many components, whether it be media buys and priorities from NASCAR. Like, tell us what that's like preparing for a race each week or really event.
1: Well, I I think NASCAR is probably the most challenging because you have, you know, you have safety issues. So you can only put cameras in certain places um, because of that now that preparation starts you know that started in 2000 and we've kind of built off that you know that resume it's like you're a crew chief and you're keeping your book on everything like every like I was working on before you guys got here I was working on my like debrief for this North Wilkesboro how do you do it better but you're always kind of working on okay editorially what can you do what are the interesting stories Uh, technically what can you do what's new and unique Right? And it's never about a toy, a, a technical toy. It's always about a technical tool. What's going to bring the, uh, the event closer to the viewer? Make it more intimate. You know, you want to touch it. One of the first things we did in 2001 was we created what I called a robo ring around the track. It used to be two robotic cameras. Okay. Right? Well, we put six or eight, depending on the length of the track, on each, on each thing so we could cover an entire lap low, right? And see it and feel it. You know, and part of that was the sound. Yeah. We enhanced the audio and that's one of the things that Fox has always been kind of prioritized, right? From day one of football. We're gonna put more microphones out there to make people kind of feel the game. Yeah. Right? Feel the sport. When when those cars went through and you hear crank it up, I mean it does kinda it does kind of bring you, you, your system up a little bit. Yeah, You know, for I'm sure. had, I have had friends bought put in Dolby systems back in the day when Dolby was a big deal. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they put in a six, I got a, Yeah, I got a 5.1 yeah. system. It's freaking awesome. Yeah. My, my base is killing it. So that's
3: so So game. I'm going to go out on a limb right here. Like, how many guys or gals in your line of work have directed all of these major sporting events that you directed? Oh, wow.
1: I- I, I'm just really lucky that I've directed some clips. I was, I was cracking open, I was listening last week, and uh, you had Jesse, Jesse on. Jesse Love. Jesse Love. He's, <laughs> he's born in 2005. So in 2005, I was, did the Daytona 500. Jeff won. Yeah. Gordon won. I did the Super Bowl that the uh, Eagles lost to the, uh, the Patriots.
3: I was there for that, Jacksonville.
1: You were there? Yeah. Yes, I, did I was that. there. That was my first Super Bowl. Yes. And I think it was the fifth uh, 50 year anniversary of my vasectomy. So it was a really <laughs> big year for me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I got to tell you a quick story about that Super Bowl. Um, the day before that Super Bowl, Fox did a special at the 17th hole at, yeah. at, at the Sawgrass. At Sawgrass, yeah. Okay. Well, Elliot and I were part of the deal. It was a golfer, a baseball player, and a NASCAR driver. And they paired Elliot. I, I think they paired, paired him with Greg Maddox, and I don't remember the golfer. It might have been even like an Arnold Palmer, somebody crazy. Well, Elliot and I went out the night before. We ended up on Jeff Gordon's boat, which before that, we were at the Playboy party. Before that, we were at the Maxim party. And Muscles, you remember Muscles? Oh, I know Muscles. Muscles worked for me before everybody worked for him. Muscles would not let us get out of the van. He said, you two smell like (laughs) You look like (laughs) You're going to sleep in this van for two hours and sober up before we let you out. So that was my first real dealings with Fox. And somehow or another, Elliot and I, didn't, we didn't lose our job out of this thing. But no, that was my first Super Bowl. So what, what you've got to get nervous at some point in this career path that you've got. What's your most nervous moment? Because it's got to be a Super Bowl, a Daytona okay. 500, a debut of NASCAR on Fox. It's got to be something. Okay, so
1: it, it is a Super Bowl, but it's not anything that you would kind of imagine. I've told this story before. If I ever wrote a book and I'd have to spend time actually writing to write a book, yeah. Uh, this would be one of the chapters, and it would be, "Shoot the effing blind kids." It would be chaptered. So, yeah, we had a deal that um, had been orchestrated by our chairman, David Hill, who was a brilliant. Oh, I remember he David. He was a brilliant innovator, yeah. and it was bringing the Florida School of the Blind and Deaf together uh, with Alicia Keys and a tape-recorded deal of Ray Charles. Wow. So Ray had been had been de- uh, dead for quite some time. And we had to kind of mix the, the tape recorder deal with Alicia and the, the young children from the, the Florida school. And they were, they were awesome. Well, I was kind of getting uh, rehearsing this on a Friday. And we went through two rehearsals and it looked really beautiful. And all of a sudden, the, t- the truck door bams open. And there's my boss. He's a little profane. And he says to me, Shoot the f-ing block, kids. I go, What? He goes, I set this up for you to show the blind kids. I said, I'm showing all the kids. What are you talking about? And he would kind of was watching a feed that wasn't the feed that we were doing. Oh, boy. And that sent me into a tizzy. Panic. Because this doesn't matter for the game, but it matters to him. So I don't know if you folks understand. I think we all do. You have the audience of one, right? We may have six million viewers on a race, but... If my boss is watching and he's got something that he wants to see, I even, I even have. You better put to. it on. We're going to put that on. That's going to priority one. So, I literally sweat it out. Like I had the Super Bowl to do, and I literally sweat it out. I mean, Saturday night, I was up till two thirty in the morning, going through every second of that sh- of that shoot. And it's not something I do naturally. I don't do music stuff. I'm a I'm a sports guy. Right. And now I am kind of. I'm going to get this right, or I'm going to lose my job well that's we do that thing and then the first super bowl director and all the guys who tell you whether it's rich russo drew escuff all the guys that have done mike arnold yeah. the worst part of the super bowl is the 30 minutes leading up to the game it's the pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. it, it's kind of cool the players come out and you're all but then you've got you know you've got the walter Payton man of the year award you've got this you've got the anthem you've got all these things that's the stuff that makes me sweat you know the other I, stuff. I bet on the
3: anthem every year. So if you ever yeah. have any insight into that, I ho- totally have
1: insight. <laughs> oh in my it.
3: gosh!
1: I cannot believe you were moronically bet on the anthem over or under. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. But I would never do it. <laughs> anyway, this is what ends up sorry, this is what I'm starting. I'm sorry to bored, you guys. But we finished She finishes the performance, Alicia. It's all gone perfectly. The door kind of swings open. He actually can hear it when he comes in. He goes, "That was freaking awesome." And he walked out the door, and it was the last time I heard from him all day. That and then was perfect. We, and then we did the Super Bowl. Well, you're, uh, that's you're, a good thing. That was the most nervous I've ever been. Ever of been.
0: all sports, of every event. Of everything is I've insane. ever
1: done. It's wow. right. I, the Super Bowl itself didn't, because that's what you do for a living. Right. Look, look, you guys have worked with the best drivers in, in, in the world.
3: No, that's, they the, I have, worked with Clint for a oh, while. that's right.
1: You're right. <laughs> 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 they may have butterflies. They might have butterflies, but they're not nervous. Yeah, you know, I always think about that when, when you're watching your favorite golfer. Right. And he's got 242 yards and he's got a forehand and you're going, oh, God, that's so hard to do. Yeah. I've got a four and I can't hit a forehand. Well, he can. Yeah. Right. So yeah. when I do these jobs, first of all, I've got the greatest crew in the world. So if I screw it up, the camera guys are still going to be great. So even if I just close my eyes and shout out numbers, it's going to look good on Fox because yeah, we have know the best do team doing. in the world. Mm-hmm. They do. You guys know them. I mean, you've, you know, oh, yeah, you know we'll Drano, you know Nelson, mm-hmm. you know Steve mm-hmm. Zajac, you know Pony. These guys are the legends of the business. You know, I get a lot of you know credit. Production gets way too much credit. But the technical teams that we have, that's what makes you go. Yeah. The operations teams, you know that. Yeah. I mean, you guys are part of that. You know
3: you know you same thing for us man yeah. it's, it's the crew guys it's, it's the pit crews it's, it's the spotters the spotters yeah. are a big yeah. part of that
1: it's like you guys are part of a team like i am and it's like so cool to do i it. feel
2: like we're a little luckier because i mean the mechanics and them guys and the engineers are the ones that do all the work the truck get,
3: drivers truck driver truck get drivers. that thing to the track hardest, hardest working guy in what can't
1: what can a truck driver do he typically can do they can cook better than anybody yep. right yeah they can they, they can take care of the truck they know how everything works I mean I've always liked to have I'd like to have a truck driver work for me. me they too. know all the parts on there, they know where everything's at, it's right. clean.
0: They're organized yeah. most
3: of the time. Truck, yeah. truck it takes a special
1: person. And if you drive somebody's motor coach, that's even more difficult. Well,
0: and how about how they <laughs> park? I mean, try parking in like Bristol or North Wilkesboro. Anywhere. That's insane.
3: So tight. So you just set us up for a great segue. So I met Artie a very long time ago. And the reason I got to know him so well is because of Hermie and Elliot Sadler. And Hermie's niece, Haley, is autistic. Artie has a son that's autistic. We started doing a lot of things together for the Autism Society of Dover, for Autism Speaks, um, for all, all kinds of things. So I know that your son is a big inspiration to you, and I know that that is probably your biggest, one of your biggest passions in life.
1: Well, it, it is my biggest passion. It's my family. You know, I always say, Ethan is my son. He's
3: 28 years old. Wow. Which is kind
1: of wild. <laughs> that makes me feel even
4: older than <laughs> yeah. I felt before I, I know.
3: got here. Yeah.
1: Well, how old's Haley now? You
3: she's got to be she's 20, about, oh, 22?
1: She's, no, she's like 24, 25. Is she? God.
3: Yeah. Man, time flies. So um,
1: we bonded, the, the Sathers and I bo- uh, you know, bonded, and then through, through Brett, you know, got to know you, um, through autism. And we were really trying to do a bunch of things back then, and that was you know, almost 20 years ago. It yeah. was 20 years it ago, was. and yeah. awareness was not there, advocacy was not there in the no. same way. Autism Speaks didn't even exist yet. So we had done our, our thing, Autism Society of Delaware, which is now just Autism Delaware, and we were kind of working on things. Well, the Fox people were so supportive of the things we were doing, guys that they allowed us to kind of go national in a lot of ways. They let our announcers wear our autism awareness pins. They would do a thing. April, we just kind of blew it out. You blew it out. And we started doing the drive for autism, which all the drivers would come to back then. It was spectacular. I mean, we had one year 32 drivers. I mean, you can't get 32 <clears throat> drivers to do anything no. but a cup
3: race. No, no. You, you had guys come that didn't even play golf.
1: <laughs> no, they didn't play golf. They hung out. They bought their own foursomes. Yeah. Jimmy won because he bought his own foursome and bought four ringers with him. <laughs> it was great. Jimmy Johnson. And he did the same thing. Jim said, well, Jimmy's doing it. I'll do it. He goes, I'm going to buy a foursome. So not only did they show up, but they spent money and donated to our Made organization. Made it a good deal. And well, I'm telling
3: you, this thing raised hundreds of thousands of dollars.
1: We've raised over $6 million in the 22 That's, years we've done.
0: Now, That's I know y- you've done a ton. Like, you're a Comcast Community Champion. So we've seen the work that you do. Tell us what your organization does to help those affected. Or-
1: so when we started the organization uh, in 98, we're actually in our 25th anniversary year. Uh, it was in our house and uh, right out of our our little study office, and we started growing it, and we actually put an addition on the house to add a bigger office because (laughs) we had two people working in our house every day. Um, It was all volunteer to start, and then in 2002, we kind of took a big step. And uh, I can tell you now, we have over 100 employees, we serve almost 200 individuals with autism every day. Adults. My son is one of the beneficiaries wow, of this awesome. program. It's been spectacular. And, you know, you could, we could not have done it without the support of the NASCAR family. Yeah. Really. I mean, people say that stuff, but it's real. I mean, they came out. So we raised all this money on the golf tournament. We had all this awareness. It really impacted so many families. You know, Ray Everham and I have had a friendship for years through autism. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and talking about things. And... It's really been something special, which I, I remember once saying. Uh, uh, my wife says, I guess if I had to make a choice, I would leave football before NASCAR because NASCAR means so much it's to family, to Autism Delaware, yeah, and to the autism community. And like that's kind of a crazy deal. I'm a. I love every sport, but if I would have had to make a choice, it would have been NASCAR, which yeah. wouldn't be a bad well, deal. Uh, I mean,
3: the thing is, and and like you said, the drivers have done their part, but sponsors have painted oh. their race cars to celebrate this and, was, make, and raise awareness. It
1: was something special to
3: see that. And, look, I, I believe
1: when you see cars, like when you, like, you know, they, the Shriners car was uh, last yeah, week. Yeah, Darlington. That stuff is great. I mean, I always tell people, pick a charitable organization that you want to support that's close to you, or pick something and just get yourself involved. in it. Look, I'd love it to be autism anytime, but it should be something. It really will make people's lives better. It will make your life more richer. I yeah. would say.
3: I, I could do this with you all day. This could be an eight-hour podcast, but I'm not. The We're last gonna, thing I'm going to ask you. Goofy stuff. Right? The last thing I'm going <laughs> to ask you before we kick this thing off is: I am told that you have a special kind of chair that you sit on to direct these NASCAR <laughs> it's not broadcasts. That's so
1: special. I sit on a big exercise ball, and people go, "Why do you sit on a big?" Exercise I don't know what
3: ball? that is because look at me. What, what do you mean an exercise ball?
1: Yeah, something you've never saw. <laughs> um, so I had—I'm old. So I had my knees replaced because of you know way too much fun playing sports. Uh, I had my knees replaced in 2017, and I went back to work. Matter of fact, the first thing I did was the uh, truck race in Pocono. Okay. I had both of my knees replaced. Uh, 16 days later, I was in a truck. <laughs> wow! So I talked to the doctor, and he he was concerned that you know just sitting for a long period of time. I said, "What if I get an exercise ball?" He goes, "Will you fall off of it?" I go, "No, I'm an athlete. I'm not falling off my exercise <laughs> ball." So I sit on a big gray exercise ball Dang. with my big butt hanging
3: out. So Sweet. you're just rolling around, bouncing around. I do roll around and bounce around, Brett. I
4: do. <laughs> and here I'm I an
3: thought, energetic guy. Here I thought Freddie was on the roof for the races. <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. Well, listen, we're going to get into the guts of this show. Uh, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you text me to correct me about something that we said on here that was you incorrect, should, should which has never online. happened before. We've never been wrong on this show. No. You're the first person to ever point that out. <laughs> Thank you, and I appreciate that. I work in television. We are never wrong.
0: <laughs> and actually, I, I have to ask. So you probably see a ton of good and bad feedback from the show or from your shows on Twitter and social media, how...
1: No, Casey, I don't.
4: Because you just ignore it. I
1: don't. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do not partake <laughs> in social media. Now, I understand why social media is very important to the sport, but I, I just stay away from it. That's because brilliant. it can be... I, I think it can be toxic. Yep. I, I tell certain of our announcers, we don't have to address every criticism. Like, if you go into a bar... And somebody, most people won't say, hey, I don't like what you do, right? That rarely happens. Right. It usually leads to a fight. So why do we have to have a verbal fight on, uh, on some social media okay. platform? It's for other people to do. I get the feedback I need to get. I'm not, I don't ignore things. And I, listen, the bottom line is we're always trying to do right by the fan. If you know anything about Fox NASCAR, the people that work there from top to bottom are passionate about racing that's the difference, that's our secret sauce and why we do great broadcasts, because everybody's engaged, everybody owns it. Everybody's on that team and they really care. So when you have that going for you, yeah. you can get criticized, you know, take it in, but don't go crazy.
3: Yeah.
2: We've been telling you for years now that RacingUSA.com is Dormover Clear's go-to store for the latest and greatest officially licensed
3: NASCAR merchandise. To celebrate the 25th anniversary of Dale Earnhardt's Daytona 500 victory, as well as the 75th anniversary of NASCAR, RacingUSA.com is offering an exclusive version of Lionel NASCAR Classic Dale Earnhardt 1998 Daytona 500 Raced Wind Diecast Car. Each one is hand-signed by Richard Childress on the front windshield and hand-signed by by Larry McReynolds, the crew chief, on the rear windshield.
2: There are only 100 of these dual autographed cars available, and by the time you hear this podcast, they might all be sold. Also, the autographed 164th Door Bumper Clear die-cast sets that RacingUSA.com is selling are now in stock and selling fast. There are only a very limited number of sets available for immediate shipment. If you want one, you need to order now. Just go to RacingUSA.com's homepage and click on the Door Bumper Clear banner on the bottom of the page.
3: Thanks for supporting RacingUSA.com. They've supported this podcast now for three years. Fans, RacingUSA.com is truly unique. Every product they sell is discounted every day. No coupon code is needed. You are guaranteed the lowest pre-order prices. Your in-stock orders are shipped the very next
2: business day, and you can select from a wide assortment of the newest officially licensed die-casts, apparel, hats, helmets, novelties, and collectibles for the sport's most popular drivers many of which
3: are exclusive to RacingUSA.com. So whenever you want a new hat, t-shirt, die-cast, helmet, or novelty to support your favorite driver, shop RacingUSA.com. Google's top-rated store for NASCAR merchandise. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
2: Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit
1: BetterHelp.com slash bumper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel dot slash bumper.
3: Spot on, spot off. Spot off. Spot on. <laughs> yeah, spot on. It was super fun yesterday to ride around there. and I am spot off.
0: Damn.
3: Where'd he come from?
0: First topic, Justin Marks shares on Sirius XM. Ross Chastain has some things he's got to clean up. We today started the process of more aggressively handling that. Artie.
1: Yep. <laughs> I love Ross Chastain. I love everything about Ross Chastain. I don't have to drive against him on the track, but if I was a driver, I would probably drive like Ross Chastain. I'm going to race you from lap one, they dropped the rag, as Clint would say, until checkers. If you don't like what I do, you can race harder against me. There was a guy that drove this car. It was a black car. You guys are very young, but you might remember it. It was the three car.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Rookie of the year, 1979.
1: Yeah. I'm, and he, by the way, wrecked a lot of people. Yeah. And he got in their way. And when they got in his way, he took care of it in his terms. I'm not comparing Ross Chastain to Dale Earnhardt, but... When you have somebody that drives it like he stole it, you got to just kind of get behind him. And by the way, in North Wilkesboro, when he got introduced, there were very, very few boos. And there were a whole lot of cheers. So we know what the racing community likes. Drivers might not like it. Mr. Hendrick might not like it. But we like it
3: on TV for sure. I love that. Hey, did you – I'm telling you, when they –
4: you if need to be Ross, on TV
3: instead of telling people what to do on TV. No, because my mouth will get me in trouble, Brett. We're almost <laughs>
2: crossed the line already. All right? Yeah, the, the people, the amount of cheers Ross got, like the, the amount, even, if, even the booze, he got more than he was in the top five or six drivers of how loud they cheered or booed for you. And that's, that's saying something,
1: you know, for, in my know, opinion. Well, you know, we, we want people to cheer and boo. Mm-hmm. We want you to be passionate. Rivalries. Everything. In, in this sport, this sport was built on rivalries. Let's look at the people that, that – the drivers that, that the fans have hated, right? The three car. Yeah. Daryl Walter. Daryl Walter. Rusty
3: Wallace. Yeah. Right? R- r- rubberneck. Kn- yeah. You, yeah. You, all the nicknames they just go had.
1: through all the great drivers. They, most of them all went through that time. I mean, not everybody was David Pearson who could just somehow drive around you without you even knowing he was there. Right? right. It was Subtle. Not everybody was Richard Petty. I mean, when they deem you the king, you really can't root against the king. Right. Right? right. They, off with your head. Don't <laughs> yeah. they be head people for that? <laughs> they do. So, yeah. you talk about all the other drives that have come through. I mean, Jeff Gordon, pretty much hated by a lot of people. Oh, right?
3: to- California guy invades our southern oh, sport. Are you kidding gosh. me? Yeah, we so, hated it. We let serves, him in there. Was There's it 93, yeah. We hated Jimmy that Jimmy Johnson,
1: too <clears throat> vanilla. Yeah. Now, he didn't crash out enough people. Right? And he didn't get in any fights. Yeah. But, you know, he was he was a race against kicked
3: everybody's ass yeah
1: Yeah. so and you kind of look at what the sport is this sport is about black hats white house booze and cheers right that's what it's about that's what every sport is engagement that's what we try to do we we try not to be melodramatic when we do our we just try to see what you're seeing out there and make it bring you a little closer to the action and ross chastain takes you to the action
3: Uh, here's my thing on this all right we're in north wilkesboro North Wilkesboro, regardless of what you thought about the racing, was a tribute to our hardcore blue-collar fan and family that grew up in the 80s and 90s loving racing. I went to my first race in North Wilkesboro in 1979 as a four-year-old kid. I went to my last race there as a teenager in the 80s, and I'm telling you right now, that's what this generation of racing and racers loved is guys like Ross Chastain. So, of course, he got a bunch of cheers because that's how they grew up. Here's what he's missing, Artie. He's missing the wins. And the wins will come. I think what Justin's got to figure out a way to do is rein in the wrecking and wrecking of other people and let his talent show. Because he has the talent, he's lacking the finesse.
1: And, and Justin made the statement, I, I think, an I, I exact statement, but basically said we can't wreck ourselves. Right. 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 You know, you're not looking to wreck other people, but you can't wreck yourself. And he's cost himself some opportunities. As many opportunities as he's cost Kyle Larson, he's cost himself as much. So, yeah, Ross has got to work on that. Hey, risk reward. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't just take the risk every time. And that's something that every young driver knows. Daryl Waltrip takes a, tells a great story about Jeff Gordon, the first time that Jeff raced. And Daryl basically told Rick he's wrecked every, he, he's just about wrecked everything out there. He goes. This boy is not going to make it.
3: Yeah. Well, he he ended up doing okay. He did,
4: and I think Ross will too. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. He's just got to. You know, he's got to hone in on his talents. I mean, he's a hell of a driver, but sometimes he's just out there. But I don't want to put a muzzle, a a, a racing muzzle, on Ross Chastain because he's going to bring the field up. Right? They're going to race harder against him because they're
3: going to have to. Yeah. You ain't going to beat him racing wimpy.
1: Nope.
2: No i'm uh i'm spot off for it though i think you let ross be ross and maybe have this conversation behind a, you know hey just keep racing how you are but you need to finish we need the finishes still but i think you just let ross keep being ross i mean he's handled it i don't think he could have handled anything he's done so far any better than what he has as far as somebody grabbing onto him he handled that somebody pushed him around the track he handled that and I think it's uh entertaining
1: he's a blue collar watermelon farmer fifth he generation he knows what hard work is right not to take away from anybody else but this guy has worked to get there like his fingernails have been dirty
0: both yeah. on and off track i mean exactly. on track too he's never he didn't have the best ride in the other series either
2: i <laughs> was uh up there with his dad on wednesday doing the late model doing late myself with Dell jr and i was standing there talking to his dad i'm like hey uh not trying to tell you what to do, but I wouldn't wreck the green car tonight. I'd probably <laughs> <laughs> you let that one
1: go. I'm
2: like, I'm like, yeah, I just wouldn't wreck the green car. Yeah. <laughs> that sun drop car, I'd leave it alone. Yeah, I'd leave yeah. the sun drop
1: car alone. I saw a lot of sun drop t-shirts yesterday. Oh, they're tons. on. There's so many. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, oh, he is the Pied Piper man. He does something, <laughs> you follow it.
0: Oh, moving on. The Truck Series race had 12 cautions compared to the Cup races' single natural caution, spot on, spot off. Brett.
3: I'm spot on for how amazing the truck race was, and, and listen, I'm spot on for how great. I'm telling you, yesterday and all weekend, for that matter, I was there Friday, Sunday. It was like we were at Disney World. These, this was the happiest place on earth on this particular weekend of the year for people who love race cars and racing and the legacy and where it came from. Um, the cup race, listen, there are guys in the sport that have spoke out, and, and Casey tells me all the time already, it's not what I say, it's how I say it. I don't know how she would want me to say this. The short track package is garbage and it's not the racetrack's fault. It's not the driver's fault. They've got to fix the package. I mean, we saw tire fall off. We didn't see great racing in the truck race. I mean, we didn't see it in the cup race. We did in the truck race. We did in the open. Maybe it was because it was during the day. I don't know. But for whatever reason, um, I, and, and listen, I am on social media. Um, I love social media and, and I, I, sent out a tweet. This was one of the greatest weekends I've ever been a part of. And, man, the, the tweets were, this was a snooze fest. The racing sucked. And, and I, don't know how we, I don't know how we fix that. I'm spot on for everything to happen at North Wilkesboro all weekend, and I'm apologetic to some degree for what ended up being what a lot of people perceive as bad racing.
1: Well, I, I, here's the difference between the trucks and the cup, and you guys know this. The cup drivers are the best drivers in the world,
3: period. Totally.
1: Now you drive that racetrack, in, and they had a few laps, right? That they had, so they got a chance to practice and they ran the heat races. But these guys are so damn good that they don't wreck. You know, when the truck driver, the truck guys, they're, they're young or whatever they are, they're good drivers. But you tell the difference. That racetrack is challenging. I mean, it's freaking hills. It is. You, you know, Daryl. Daryl was telling us because Daryl worked, Welch uh, worked with us this week, and he was telling the story the first time he got out there. And he said, I'm going to one. He goes, I can't stay off the wall. I can't stay off the wall. And I go into three. He says, I can be full throttle through three. Uphill. Right? Exactly. (laughs) And I think it was Jake Elder he was working with. I can't remember. I don't think it was Junior at the time. He said, you do know you're going downhill into one and uphill into three. And he goes, no, I didn't. (laughs) So this is how good these guys are. They're going downhill into one, but they're not wrecking did you see the Larson line that he started? I mean, he oh, is yeah. up. You know, he's always been right. He's always on the outside wall. He and Reddick just running that outside. He is running so far on that inside wall. I thought he was going to clip it a few times. That was under- Noah
3: took care of that for him. He showed us what not to do when you're running the inside. Oh yeah. wall. my gosh! <laughs> yeah, you you got a part of that. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, his his inside line was completely nuts. It was, and he learned nuts. it in a truck race. Of course he did,
1: and that yeah. was why he ran a truck race. That's why William Byron ran a truck race. I mean, look, these guys strategically do that, and that's why they're running more short track stuff and running more of, of the different series, just so they get more seat time. And that's something that we, could, we should actually talk about is the you know, I- racing compared to prepping with real race cars on real race tracks, yeah. which is one of the things we don't have in NASCAR now.
3: TJ, when, when Larson was running the apron in the truck versus a cup car, the cup car for him didn't look violent when i saw other guys go in there on in-car cameras that already was providing us dude it was violent inside a race car so i've studied this a lot there especially in the cup stuff
2: there was an angle that they figured out chris bell figured out into the cup race off of turn two he figured out how to get down onto the flat off of turn two and grip up like the trucks were without having the big because i had brad do it and the first time we did it i saw the whole car rock and shake and i I figured out the guys that were behind if you will go back and watch everyone the, the 20 passes or the last 20 30 laps of the race they start doing that and they figure out where he found a spot to turn down to where it just wouldn't you know mess it up but the trucks man <laughs> everybody was down there on the i mean it
3: it was exciting but i'm
2: the, car, uh, cars,
3: the cup cars, were some of them were bottoming out too much. Well, well, there's a there, Oh, yeah,
2: the fuser and stuff hits.
3: And there's they're a th- big, way lower. exactly, but
1: it's a big transition. Like, people, it's not it's a smooth transition. transition. Yeah. I
2: walked over there and looked at it.
1: Right. So you know it's a freaking huge transition. They're hitting a bump, but they're somehow keeping it exactly where they want to go, which is what makes these freaking cup drivers Je- great.
0: Jeff Gluck's yeah. Twitter poll right now, it says, was, was North Wilkesboro a good race? And it's still 50-50. And I wish there was a poll that could you you can categorize the on-track portion, the overall weekend. Listen,
3: there's not – Casey, to your point, you're, you're making a great point. There's not one person that went to that racetrack yesterday that wishes they wouldn't have went. It was beautiful weather. It was amazing pre-race. The atmosphere It, it, it was, was so nostalgic. I mean, I saw people in their 20s dressed like they were in 1970. Like, we talk about throwback weekend. People were celebrating the rebirth. And, and I'll give Marcus Smith – listen – Bruton Smith helped change this sport. He helped take us from small-town USA to major markets in this country when he did things like closing North Wilkesboro and going to Dallas, Texas, right? Big deal. But what his son has done with Roval, what his son has done with North Wilkesboro, what he's trying to do with Nashville, like Marcus deserves a lot of credit as a marketer for what, what he's done because he's transitioned us to some degree to, to new grounds, right?
1: He's taken us back, but he's taken us forward marcus has has a vision he cares so much. his dad cared his dad was a you know a great businessman and and he had a vision as well Marcus's vision is how can we get back but move it forward which is a very it's very difficult to do that it is. you can you can try to do it, but you can't go back to the 80's and 90s. You know, and just say, oh, we're going to do it that way. That's not going to work in this day and age. But what he's been able to do is kind of figure out ways to bring things back, kind of mix in old school with new school, take the technology, you know, and he's also a great promoter, which is what the sport's been missing for a little bit, I think. The, the SMI does such a spectacular job promoting. I mean, if you spend any time with Marcus's team and Jessica Fickenshire and Mike Birch and Kevin Camper and Greg Walter, you know, these people are passionate about racing. They are so passionate about it and what new ideas can we bring forward? But they also want to keep the integrity of the old school, yeah. you know, and that's important. And that's what you saw in North Wilkesboro, by the way, you saw families coming to the race. You saw a lot of kids. It gives me so much, it makes my heart grow yeah. to see all the kids and the families that were there because we miss that sometimes. This is the greatest family sport that you can go to. I mean, I can remember my buddy, the first time I took him to a race and I started doing, he goes, I kind of like NASCAR. He took his son and he had to go to the bathroom and it's like, he didn't want his son and the people next to him said, Oh, we'll take care of him. And they'd been sitting there talking. Right. And that's NASCAR. I say That's this all the, the time. You, fans. You
3: can you can take an RV to a racetrack, you can set up everything that you own in front of it, nobody will even take a beer out of your cooler. No. It is the best people in the world are at these NASCAR races. It, it honest integrity, like what you said, it, it's, it's good people.
1: And, and we saw a lot of that this week. Yeah, I, I walked
3: through the souvenir deal.
2: I actually cut out and walked beside one of them and stopped walking between them because it was so packed.
1: We couldn't get anything that said North Wilkesboro. We oh, yeah. went out and looked. Yeah. And I was like, I almost wanted to pull the string go, I almost texted Marcus, can you find me something? Can you save me that black sweatshirt? Because it's freaking awesome and I want to yeah. wear it everywhere. I have
3: not been to a souvenir trailer since 1999. And, and listen to me, as a kid, as a teenager, as a college student, I went to the souvenir trucks every time yeah. I went to the racetrack. I had to charge it on my Discover card because I was broke as shit. but- This weekend, I got two shot glasses from North Wilkesboro. There you go. Yeah.
1: Because it was special. By the way, you know, the big shout-out as well with everybody who's named Steve Swift, if you guys know him, he is the track track guru. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that, you know, has changed Atlanta. You know, he has these visions. He does the hard work. I mean, he is at the track at 5 a.m. And I think he left at like 2 a.m. on Saturday. Wow. And this is the kind of work ethic and, and intelligence that goes into it because he works smart, he works hard, and the people around him love the guy. Yeah. And that whole team, and Jessica Fickenshire's and Shares, well, top to bottom, that group. And uh, the biggest shout-out to Terry Parsons. Yeah. Because without Terry, this event's not happening. She's the one that kept the North Wilkesboro dream alive and in the community because she lives in that community, and she didn't let it die. And thankfully, this is something that we got to move forward. How are they going to move forward? That's the interesting thing as we look at it. I I would love to see a a cup race, but I don't want to see Kyle Larson win by 10 seconds.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Holly Farms 400 back in the day. I mean, there were guys that lapped the field, essentially. I I remember – uh, watching Neil Bonnet run there. And I don't know if he won the race, but it was like he's walking the dog is what we called it. And basically he was lapping everybody. So, I mean, that is short track racing. It's It comes to some of the, the older tires, the slick racetrack, all the things that we saw yesterday. But I'm telling you, one of the greatest weekends of my life professionally was going to that racetrack.
2: I, I, I did enjoy it. Even with Kyle Larson whooping everybody, I thought He got like,
3: out of the car and said that was an old school yeah. ass whipping. Yep. <clears throat> yeah,
2: that's per- our – I mean, I and that's And he told the truth. Up. Yeah, I mean, that's, and I'm okay with that. They, they were better. I mean, that's the way it should he, be, he, right? He
3: had the most emotion in Victory Lane all weekend that he's ever had in Victory Lane in NASCAR. I'm not, listen, when he got out of the chili bowl, you could, didn't want it. You could tell he was excited. This is the most excited I've seen him in NASCAR
4: winning.
1: He, he's, uh, I, I saw him Friday night. I was over at Boyer's compound.
3: Oh,
4: yeah. There,
1: and uh, Junior <laughs> did stop by with Amy and, and Marcus. And uh, I saw Colin. I got a chance to chat with him a little bit. And he is, He's got more energy than I've ever seen. Now, he hangs around a lot with Boyer, so maybe some of that Boyer energy is kind of rubbing off on him. Yeah. But, yeah, there was a genuine, I just kicked the field's ass. I mean, it's, it
0: was the same with the entire field, every interview. I mean, no matter how well they did it or, or how well they did or didn't do, like, they were all excited to be there, which is something that we haven't seen in a really long time.
4: Yeah.
0: And And on that note, what did you guys think – with obviously Larson dominated, but, but with tire strategy, do you feel as though there should have been a different tire? Do you feel as though something should have changed from, from that aspect?
2: Like the format at the, the, like the last hundred laps, you can only change tires one time. And we, I kind of didn't like that idea because the caution came out. That's what gave the guys in the beginning, the edge. That's how that, that's how the top five really happened. Like Bubba and all them guys, there's I think three of the top five took tires there that first time. And, when it goes green like that, it just paid off. But the second stage, the second hunter laps, you only get one set and we had two lay in there. It would have been nice to know that if you get a caution, you can maybe make them make a decision. Do I want to maybe pit here, stay out? That's what that's what made it interesting in the beginning. The guys in the back could pit and drive up through there. But if everyone's on the same strategy, I don't know. I would have liked to seen it obviously have more cautions to create more strategies and more restarts and – more side-by-side, side, but um, I, I would <laughs> – this is going to – it's kind of off top. I'd like to see an Xfinity car race around there. That would Same. be crazy. Oh, that would be nuts. Oh, it would be so fun. With and all the and, and I'll in. say
3: this about the facility because we, we're we we're, we're quick to criticize on here, Artie. I don't know if you know that
1: I think us. life in general, we're quick to criticize. Yeah. Go ahead. I, <laughs> we
3: have given a lot of tracks a lot of crap about fan experience Wi-Fi. And all weekend long, when I was inside the gates of that racetrack – With a sold-out crowd, my phone worked amazingly well. So Mm -hmm. if you are a track promoter or a track owner, I don't want to hear any more excuses about why my God-blessed phone doesn't work. Because if you can make it work in the middle of Wilkes County, which is one of the most beautiful settings of a racetrack. I saw some of your wide shots yesterday. If you can make it work in the middle of Wilkes County, you can make my phone work anywhere. This place, this was a home run to me. There was Wi-Fi.
2: Uh, all the amenities were there. Food and trucks. The food, tr- the food trucks were awesome, by the way. Um, about all the
1: concerts. The, the, concerts. There's always
2: things going on, man, and it's like I, I don't know how the tra- everyone's worried about traffic. We have not heard a thing about somebody being
3: stuck in traffic. Not like, a thing. Over you could There
0: was no traffic on those freeways. I saw on the broadcast.
3: Five days of racing. One yeah. one pothole I saw, they fixed that quickly. Like the track prep, they were worried amazing. about. Yeah, the track was off. The track did didn't come job. apart. All nope. these people worried about that, which I didn't get on that bandwagon, and it worked out fine. So, I'm all for going back there, man. The I, only I thing
2: I would change is uh, the spotter stand. Now <laughs> the stand to, that was very precarious. That was very. Did you get up on it? You should have. No, climbed I up didn't on go there. on it. You, <laughs> you should I'm climb up there. my life for you guys? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there were three Harbor Freight ratchet straps holding it down. We were good. <laughs>
3: The, look, the biggest problem with the spotter stand is, and there were a lot the of people problems. on it. Yes, no, one hundred yeah, no, Listen, that's every week. Let's get day. an update on Freddie. Not <laughs> here. When okay. We get to the Coke 600, That's the problem. But literally, when you get up there, you have so many blind spots in three and four. Like whatever happened with Michael McDowell and Justin Haley and Ty Gibbs, we have no idea. We didn't see the beginning of it at all. Uh, we didn't see the beginning. We barely caught the end. And, and the thing is and, – and listen, some spotters like Freddie were very vocal about how bad it sucked. He was right. Freddie was right. It sucked. The location sucked. It was at the lowest point of the racetrack. You just said it. You're going downhill into yeah. one. Where was the spotter stand? It was in one. You're going uphill into three. Where should you have put the spider stand? Probably in three. And and so it was a miss from the beginning. Obviously, it was a low budget makeshift scaffold. I mean, I wouldn't hang sheetrock from that goddamn thing in well, my house.
1: Well, I think you, you got to realize what were the priorities, and even, and it wasn't and, and those and, priorities were like fan they, experience. They didn't forget exactly and revenue. The, yep, spider well, stand don't make money. Well, also just getting everything together in that short period of time. I was there in December. There was nothing there. They were still in demo mode. Right. So even our tele even our cameras like yeah. you know and look we pay a lot of money yeah a whole lot and, and they listen but they could only do so much yeah so our cameras were not high enough either if you see there was a lot of block there was not one camera it wasn't like indianapolis but it wasn't like one camera that could follow the, yeah, the car around and see yeah the bottom of the car yeah so we were in the same uh place they're going to work on that now in a facility like that it's not like you can build it up another 40 feet, Yeah. right? Make yeah. your life I'm not easy. getting on, on that thing if it goes.
2: No,
3: no. So it was in, then, it was, it, Listen, it was doing this. I yesterday. brought up it was
1: Swift. I bet you see Swift will come up with a plan.
3: Right? 100%. And they you will. guys will end
1: up in a better yeah. place, and you'll be able to see. You might be on the back stretch looking across, but if that's what it takes, they'll figure it out.
3: 30-year-old me would have lost my mind because I want to be able to do my job to the best of my ability. I've said it before. I want somewhere to park, somewhere to pee, and I want to be able to see. And they did the parking. They did the peeing. And we just we don't want a blind spot already like it'd be like you as a TV guy where there's a point on the racetrack where the cars are out there and you can't see it and you can't mm-hmm. capture it and you can't tell that story. And it pisses you off. And again, 30 year old me, I lost my mind. 48 year old me. Now I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. I got to deal with it. And I'm going to do the job best I can. I'm gonna go home. But you're right. They're going to fix it. They'll It'll fix be better. It.
1: They'll find out a better solution. Like I when you're putting everything together and leaving like we're a priority, but how much could we could they do for us? Right. 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 They're going to work through that. And that's part of like year one. You're always going to come out with a long list of stuff that you can do much better. And I bet you Steve Swift and Jessica Fickenshire and Marcus Smith's list are a lot longer than our list. Right. Right. And they're right. going to address those things and they care. And that's what you want. You want people that care about everybody and the, the whole experience, not just the fan experience, but how to look at, at home. Right? How did the guys that were working with the teams look? You guys. right? How was the garage area? All that stuff. I mean, I'm just amazed at what everything, it looked look like.
3: Everything outside of the spotter stand was a legit home run. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, Which well, it makes time. this
1: podcast better because then you guys can <laughs> about something. we got to have something to f*** <laughs> about. Oh, there's still
0: time. That's a perfect segue into the next topic. Spot on, spot off. Marcus Smith says he would lean towards not repaving until we absolutely have to. TJ, spot on, spot off
2: i mean i'm I'm for it I'm leaning towards the same thing. I don't think it needs a repave right now i mean i don't I don't spot off for you know I'm spot on for his comments saying that we don't need to do anything with it because we saw great races Wednesday, we saw great races uh Saturday, even the open was was dicey, you know, just because you put the best guys out there and you don't see a bunch of wrecks that's not a bad race. I mean one guy if this Brett mentioned earlier back in the day, guys won by laps. But this guy had a huge lead. But hey, he came and whooped everybody. What do you? I mean, just that's how it goes sometimes. That's it's the first time at a facility too. So I don't. If we go, if we were to be going back there next year, or you know, later this year, I anticipate the competition closing up even more. Everybody's been there one time. Everybody's going to make an adjustment. The competition will get closer and closer. Um, It's kind of always like that. But look, I'm okay with it. A guy showed up. Somebody was going to do this probably. Somebody's going to hit the setup just right. And they did. They called the pit strategy right. They got tires, got no – and cautions. There weren't – you know, there weren't no cautions. to bunch everybody up, and and Kyle was able to just
3: drive through them. Yeah, I so. was saying, I came, I saw, I kicked ass. It, That's yeah. what he did. And, and and I'm fine a, with it. It's
0: an all-star race, right? The best is supposed to win. And Kyle – it's not like Kyle has never won a race before, right?
3: Yeah. I had a conversation last night with somebody already I think you'll appreciate, and uh, it was uh, a spotter now, a former driver, Brandon McReynolds. And I said – you know, I feel like Kyle races so much that he, when he gets in any race car, he doesn't feel any pressure at all. Like he, he's, he's in the seat right now more than any other driver in the field. And so when he's running, literally sometimes five races, six races a weekend, not, not even counting heat races, oh, not a weekend, but a week, and, and this guy, when he buckles in, like, he doesn't get frustrated. He, he's able to keep his, his patience. He has more finesse than any driver in the field. And when I look back at Kyle Busch, when he was dominating, what was he doing? He was running three to four races a weekend, and now he's running one, maybe two, and he's not the Kyle Busch we used to see. Like, is, is that helping us see this guy be so great?
1: Well, you you got to be in the car to get better. You can talk about simulators, and simulators can help you kind of, I guess. Now, I don't do this for a living. I just listen to what I think smart people say, and simulator racing is not the same. You guys have done it. You guys have iRaced. It's not the same. It's not the same. You can say the car has a feel and this and that, but you know that you have to practice to get good at anything. Football players can use AR and they have the AR goggles like the quarterback can read, the, you know, can read now and watch the screen. It's all BS because when real bodies are coming at you, <laughs> you are hurt definitely, that a, don't hurt you. Right. Walls you don't, don't hurt. on the. And same. by the way, when you hit a wall in, in, in iRacing, you just reboot and start racing again. You can race differently in iRacing. Right. So I don't think the simulator stuff is helping drivers get better. I think it's just an excuse now for, you know, not being able to test and be able to run. You know, what Kyle's doing and what other guys are doing now is driving more. You're just driving in a car more. So Kyle Larson, is, it seems to me, has the most confidence of anybody in the garage right now for a good reason. First of all, he's an unbelievably talented driver. And you remember when he first came up? Yes. I mean, he had no money. No. Right? He just drove his way to a ride. Yeah. Right? So he's got this gift. And then he practices that gift. You know, it's like any great player. practices it more than anybody else. Anybody. In any great sport, they practice harder. They might have an ability. You look at any sport. Wayne Gretzky was the hardest practicer. LeBron James and Michael Jordan, the hardest practicer. Right? You look at Peyton Manning, the hardest practicer. Right? Any of these guys that are great. Kyle Larson is the hardest practicer. And that makes a difference in any sport. This episode is brought to you by
2: Progressive Insurance.
3: Visit HyundaiUSA.com
0: or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: I was gonna say what you know, with sim stuff now, like I will say if you go to like when we go to Chicago, I promise you the sim's gonna help guys learn that track. And I will say with, with the with the lower amount of practice, you know, we don't get much practice now at these places, most of the time, 20 minutes or whatever. So you know, anything these guys can do to knock, make that first lap on the track, just knock the rust off, you know, the first lap on the track, be a couple tenths better because they're more familiar with it. And I think a lot of people, I mean, it's getting closer to setup stuff too. So, cause we don't get the test anymore. So you're testing changes and you're trying to develop stuff like that. But as far as the seat of the pants feel, Kyle Larson's you know, by far getting the most seat of the pants of anybody. And there's, doesn't hurt for sure.
3: I think sim helps engineering more than it helps drivers. I think the drivers are overused in new terms facilities.
2: Of, I think it helps the drivers a lot. It,
3: it does, but I'm going to tell you what right now. You could give me AJ Amendinger at Chicago Street Course with zero sim time, and I think he goes out there in his top five the first lap on a racetrack. But that's his background, though. I mean, I'm just arguing the fact that you said it helps them. Well, I, not I, not. I agree with you. It helps them line of sight, road, you know, eye, eye things, but I don't think it helps them see the pants at all.
1: It's timing. That's the one, like we talked about, the, I said about the quarterbacks with AR. Yeah. You can learn about timing. Mike Tyson like you said t- you can go in there with a hell of a
3: fight, <laughs> hell of a plan, and once you get punched in the mouth, everything yeah. changes.
4: Exactly.
0: I, I mean, that was I think on the broadcast they mentioned that was Kyle Larson's 199th different track he's raced on. Yeah, that's so yeah. Chicago will be his 200th. I mean, that says something. It's the All Star Race is the All Star Race for a reason, right? Yeah. Like if somebody else won that just by some chance because of the format, one, you know, people would be completely. If
3: Ross it. Chastain doesn't keep wrecking Kyle Larson, he's probably got three more wins this year. That's a He, clin- he he's the fastest guy out there. That's what Cliff Daniel will tell you. (laughs) (laughs) He'll tell you that.
1: (laughs) By the way, Casey, we've got over
3: a month until Chicago.
1: It could be like 210 tracks by the time we get there. Who the heck knows what Kyle, where he's racing Uh, over the next
3: You bring up a good point. Chicago, brand new racetrack. What kind of scouting and prep takes place from your side and Fox Sports' side to get ready to be able to cover that? Because we just talked about spotters, about a 30-foot gap where we can't see the racetrack. How do, you, how do you get ready for something like what's about to happen there?
1: I, I think it's probably the hardest thing that uh, any production and technical team has done in, in NASCAR.
3: Wow. Yeah,
1: I would say the, the challenges of doing a street course are just incredible because everything, you have to build everything out. I mean, it's just like the NASCAR, the people that are creating the track, right, for NASCAR. I mean, that is a, a daunting task right? So now you've got to figure out how to cover it. If you watch F, you know, I watch F1 every, every week. When you watch the street courses at F1, you're making like 28 cuts just to cover the cars. I mean, that, yeah, one lap. Different pictures, right? you got to go for, and you say it in order from 1 to 28 in a minute and 42 seconds. That's a, you know, you're talking about 102 <laughs> seconds. That's a cut every 3.7 seconds, Wow! if you think about that. So it's like, boom, and boom, and boom. Well, you've got to get the cameras there, and can they see those things? So doing this street course and everything that goes into it is a daunting task. Now, you know, the NBC folks, you know, uh, Sean Owens is a hell of a director, and that team is really good. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be, I think, the hardest thing that anybody from... Uh, wow, the that's sp- a big statement. racing has done, yeah. I think.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I'm. You got like you said, how good the team is. I'm sure it's going to be the coverage. Is, I mean, you guys aren't going to have a spot on that track. You can't cover and.
1: and oh yeah, they're going to. We're going to
2: rely on your guys a lot. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're going to do a good job. Except for the fact it's really hard to get to that point. Yeah. And it's year one, right? Well, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully they're going to have practice on Friday. You know, if, a if I'm the director. I want to practice. I want to get as many reps as possible. I hope they could run uh, right, They run 200 laps on Friday and 200 laps on Saturday. <laughs> so on Sunday, I know where I'm going and yeah. when I'm going to be going there.
3: It takes you how many meetings and hours to try to be perfect for that three- to four-hour window?
1: You're never going to be perfect, so don't even look at But that. you're
3: trying. You're trying to be great. I always say to people, I'm not about perfect.
1: I'm trying to be great all the time, you know, and – that's what you're looking for. It's like playing a sport. Yeah, I don't want to throw an interception, but sometimes I'm going to throw a tight window.
3: Right. Right? Well, and I tell, I, I say this analogy to people all the time. TJ will appreciate this. If I'm a quarterback, right, and I We're throw losing. an interception. We're losing. In the first quarter, <laughs> I could throw a football further than you can and more accurate than you can. I'm going to put that on point should. right now. We might have but to if do I'm this. a quarterback and I throw an interception in the first quarter, I got the rest of the game to get better. As a spotter, if we screw up and we wreck our race car in the first third of the race, our, our race is over. Like, we don't – we as a sport – and this isn't about spotters. We as a sport, if we screw up, if we're Noah Grax and we go in there and hit that inside wall yesterday in, in the All-Star Open, even though you got voted in the All-Star, you're done. Yeah. Like, it, you're, it, our sport is harder to recover from big mistakes.
1: No, you're absolutely right because there is not right. There is no second chance once that car's, you know, basically back in the garage. Yeah. That's over. And that's what that's what racing is. Yeah. I mean, you make a, a triple bogey on number 1 in a golf it's tournament, okay. you're good. Yeah. You know, you can you can lose a golf tournament in the first round. Right. You can't win it. Right. You can be out of a race in, in lap in one. the first lap and gone. Yeah. And that's You're the thing. Like I, I mean, if a yeah. tire
3: changer leaves a wheel loose and it, it busts brake lines and all those things. It, it, I mean, it, there, there are circumstances in our career in our sport that are so hard to overcome when you mess up.
1: I, I think NASCAR and racing in general is so much more technical and there are so many more things that can happen, yeah. it seems, than in any other sport. And those are the challenges that, you know, that you all face. And that's why when you see teams that have this great success, it's great planning and and it's, you know, maybe in that, well, it's kind of about perfection. When you, that car leaves that garage, right? To get on that grid, everything has to be perfect. Yeah. Right. When it's not, you see it. Right. Like how embarrassing is it when you run out and all of a sudden somebody didn't connect a a, a line or a hose. Oh yeah. And and they're like, what, how the hell did you forget to do that? Well, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, it could literally end your day end before your day. your day starts. So there's a lot of uh, pressure there. Um, but you know, going back to what you asked me about, when, when, we, when I make a mistake, it, it just sits with me. And, yeah. you know, I, I'll be able to get on like a quarterback. I threw the interception, but after the race, that's all I usually can think about. Yeah, is, that uh, night,
3: it's hard or, to sleep.
1: You know, we ruined it. Yeah, I ruined part of the show. It might have been lap seven, but yeah. what the hell was I doing there? Right, and you're, and
3: you're tell us what you're doing during the race. You're telling us which camera is hot. You're 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 moving a lot of parts and pieces.
1: Yeah, but a lot of I always tell people when you come in the truck, and you know, you guys can come in if you want when you're
2: not
3: working. It's, it's awesome. Have you ever been in there?
0: It is so cool. I it's, haven't been
3: a TV truck in a long time. It's awesome. I did a long I did a long time ago, but
0: yeah
1: we can we're going bring you in
2: there. I'm
3: coming to St. Louis if you watch when are you guys done? How much longer has Fox got we, got? we
1: We go all the way through Sonoma so St. Louis okay right I'm there. coming to see you St. Louis come in hang out a little bit but you, what you'll see is this great team effort you know you've got Pam Miller' is our coordinating producer. It's brilliant. she's been, been around forever forever She knows more about race than anybody. She did this incredible doc uh, documentary on North Wilkesboro. You guys have to watch it. It's spectacular. She, just, she, she digs in on stuff, but she's a great live producer as well. Uh, Chuck McDonald's, our, our lead producer. He's new to He's us. He's new. And, and Chuck was out here for, in year one when we did uh, NASCAR 2001. He was our wow. BA, the okay. graphics guy. Wow. And then he was a pre, uh, pre-race producer, and then he got the lead uh, on college, college football. College, yeah. Super smart guy. Great um, collaborative worker. And he lets everybody do their thing. But when there's a decision that we make, he's ready to make the right decision. Right. Then we've got Eric Mandia, who's, who's back in our... our, our um, he's our pit producer, and Rich Gross is our associate director. So all five of us... And the technical director, uh, Goose Bob Gooseley, we're all working together to kind of make sure. Now that's just in the truck, yeah, right. And then you've got all the camera guys out there. You've got all our replay people, our graphics people, our engineering people. You know, you've watched the handheld guys yeah. work and sprint, sprint the stuff. I mean, this is what that what it takes to be good, yeah, right. So to put all those moving parts together and, like I say, like throw the perfect out and be really, really good or great every week, that's what you're trying to do. And, by the way, being great is making that viewer happy. Yeah. Engaging with that viewer.
3: Well, I'm going to tell you what made a lot of viewers happy yesterday. Daryl Waltrip.
1: It was good to see him back, right? Dude. I love that guy. I love that man. He taught me. When I, I would sit with him in 2001, we started, and I would just pepper him with questions. I just want to know everything, and not just about how much they cheated with Junior. But, <laughs> and he said, first thing, he says, Artie, we never cheated. We just worked the system. And I always remember that. Nobody cheats in NASCAR. You just work the no, system. Yeah,
3: absolutely. That's I agree your with job. It.
1: Everybody does it. But Darrell taught me so much about racing. It just I enjoyed just spending time with him, talking about life in general. And it was great to have him up there. And great to have Larry that, that, the That's where I think our mic. sport
3: is is so hard is when I watch college football and I watch it religiously. It's my favorite sport to consume when I'm not racing. And every time I tune in, there are different people on television. So it's hard to get tired of the boogity, boogity, boogity. But in our world, you got 18 weeks-ish of boogity, boogity, boogity. Well, people finally are like, I don't want to hear boogity, boogity, boogity anymore. Those same people yesterday were like, damn, it's good to see Darrell Waltrip. Mm-hmm. That's life. That's life. Isn't it life? It is. We get tired of the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, You know, it's just the way it is. Boogity, boogity, boogity put NASCAR, I'm not going to say ever say put NASCAR on the map, but for a lot of places. It did. It put it on the map. It. You know, when we came that Fox, and and this is just being on a network, okay? What ESPN did was great. What TNN was doing was great. TBS and, you know, all the different people that were carrying NASCAR at the time and all four networks were carrying it as well you had a different kind of world. What, when Fox was able to kind of, and NBC able to come in, and when NASCAR put that all together, it changed the dynamic, because now we're on a network almost every week, and people were introduced to it and we're introduced to it at a time when we had, you know, terrific characters You know Jeff was dominant. Oh, yeah, Tony was you know r- Remarkable rusty was still there. Yeah, you know, you had some rivalries you had things and people were, were responding to that Corporate America was responding to that kind of caught lightning in a bottle But there was some preparation that went with it. Yeah with NASCAR and yeah. and, 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 and Bill France jr and seeing that and Bruton Smith, seeing what was possible. And we brought NASCAR to a broader audience, just being on a network week in and week out. And I, I think we're always looking at how can we recreate that in a different way? Like we talked about earlier with Marcus, you know, we want to bring it back and, but also move it forward. Um, you know, that first Daytona that we did, I, I went back and looked at the numbers cause you guys talk about ratings every once in a while. So I need to check you out, Brett. So the highest rated NASCAR Race of all time yep. at the when we took over it was the 1979 Daytona 500.
3: Wow. Yeah,
1: that was the when highest. there were
3: three channels by the way. There
1: were three channels and snow it, snow was everywhere on the United States that day. Yeah. And getting that race off was a monumental just a monumental effort by a lot of people because in in this day and age it might have been rained out, but they Big Bill got uh, he got that race race going. And CBS had this broad audience. So people were introduced to NASCAR in 1979. That was the highest rated race until our Daytona in 2001.
3: Holy cow. Which
1: is one of the great events and one of the most tragic and events. And one of the worst, ever, yeah. You know, when people ask me what is like most memorable thing, I go, it's going to be the fact that my favorite driver was killed in the first race, that first Daytona 500 race we did.
3: I didn't, I, you know, I had forgotten that that was your that was first, first year, first race.
1: race, first big race. We had done the duels and all, but, but it did create this unbelievable tsunami of interest. And we carried over that. That interest for years and built the sport up, and then inevitably, as things do, they just don't go up forever. Right, and we did. We t- we took a uh, we t- we took a little bit of a dip, and things in the economy hurt us, but we're still driving and trying to get back you know, get people back and get people interested. It's a more diverse world now for media, as you guys know. Oh, yeah. I mean, like this podcast didn't exist in 2001. No, never right? even been thought the of. The choices that, you, no. that that the young people have now and what they do. And we have to figure out a way to kind of engage with those young people. It's not going to come in mass, but it, it can come in building something and having good plans. And I think we have a really great plan of flocks. I'm hoping that when this contract deal gets sorted, that we'll be back for another, you know, 10 years or more, I want to keep doing this until they literally have to pull me out of the truck, <laughs> and I'm still going to sneak back in there and take over.
0: I, I was just about, to ask, I, I was just about to ask that question. What, you know, obviously, there's a lot of conversations between teams, NASCAR, even just comments overall about what the future looks like, and such as streaming possibilities. What do you envision or what do you think should happen for the sport to continue to move What forward? do I think
1: should happen? I work for Fox Sports.
0: <laughs>
4: well, obviously I, I, that, but if meaning if I had the... my choice,
1: we would have every race. Right. Right? But what's what's the reality? I think what NASCAR is doing right now is is looking at the options. And I'm not to sound political, you know, politically correct, but you know, that's what they have to do right now. Look, we, we love what we do at Fox. We want to keep this sport. Uh, we think this sport is not just valuable, but we're passionate about it. It's good for business. You know wh- what you pay ends up. You know what you pay and what you make ends up being the decision maker with anything that you know you do in the business world. I think that NASCAR has been a really good investment for us over the past 23 years, and I'm hoping that 23. You, yeah, wow. yeah you, you can't believe that, can you? Wow, no, I can't. Think about me. I'm a lot older. <laughs> um, But when you look at uh, what the the marketplace is, I'm hoping that the marketplace takes us back to Fox Sports for the first half of the season at least.
0: Let's move on to the DBC A-Main, where we chat about what's going on in the dirt world. Uh, well, I guess, Artie, you mentioned, I mean, local dirt track racing.
1: The only thing I know about dirt track racing is that Kyle Larson's really good at it. <laughs> Christopher Bell's apparently really good at it. Uh, Alex Bowman may have had an issue with it. So <laughs> that, that's my dirt I, I work in television, so I know more than anybody, but I know nothing about uh, dirt all
3: track right, racing. Here's what I'm going to tell you about dirt racing for me this week, and I love Clint Boyer to death. But if I had to hear him say one more time on the broadcast yesterday that, that this track races like a dirt track, and, and want to pull what hair I have left out of my head out. The, the car was never yawed out on the right rear. As a guy who grew up dirt racing, Clint Boyer should have had more sense than to say, this, the, the reason Kyle Larson is so good here. Let me tell you something, Clint. Kyle Larson is good every f- where we go. It's his best friend. It is his best friend. They're, they're family buddies right now.
1: You know, uh, I'll tell you this about that. I'll use a Clint term. If the juice is worth the squeeze, I won't comment on Clint's comments. <laughs> because <laughs> he'd probably listen and go man Artie, what the hell are you laying me out like that
3: for yeah
1: come on dude
2: his
3: yeah. favorite Sounds team's like the, the banana hammocks too right uh-huh. clint loves to argue he loves to pick another side i gotta
1: tell you the best thing about clint well, i don't know if the best thing is that we have this meeting trailer and he's always about he's like freddie but he does show up he's always about two <laughs> minutes late for the production meeting and we hear him 50 yards before we see him yeah yeah. You know, because you're in a little tra- trailer with no, no real acoustics. And yeah. he, you hear him coming. Yeah. You hear him coming. And so. you can
3: see his brain bouncing off the walls. But he, But he
1: just loves racing. Yeah. You know, just understand this. You might not agree what he says. The mm. guy loves racing. He's passionate. He does his homework. He's in, He's into it. You know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes Chuck and I want to strangle him. But, you know. Yeah. We want to strangle them sometimes. It doesn't mean we don't love what they're doing right. most of the time. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the how world.
0: Mu- how much longer have those meetings become ever since Clint joined? With how distracted he gets?
1: We actually have what we we have. I think what we put on in one of those kind of invisible collars where he gets shocked. it. Oh, yeah, need. that's what you need. <laughs> yeah, fair. We've taught him to wait until the meeting's over to to get into the weeds, and oh. he's doing a great job. So the Good. meetings the meetings are actually shorter than yeah. they've ever been. But then we, we, we debrief through the,
3: after the meeting and dig in. His dad, we call him Pops. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, the whole world calls him Pops. He loves racing as much as Clint does. And he's why Clint has that big affinity for loving racing. And Clint loves all forms of racing. But I'm going to tell you something, man. If you have a five-minute conversation with Clint Boyer, he could be a promoter. He could be a TV guy. He could be a driver. He, he wants to be entrenched in all the things that lift the sport up.
1: I, I believe that. Yeah. And like me, he's an expert in everything. Yep. So we, if, <laughs> we just listen, if we just listen to both of us, this is why we get along so well and sometimes ha- get, get into it. He wants to shoot this wide. I go, well, if I shoot it wide, then we can do that. But if I shoot it tight, don't you want to see that? He goes, well, I need it wide when I need it wide. I need it tight when I need it tight. I go, okay, let me just jump into your head, yeah. which is something nobody should <laughs> ever try to do.
0: <laughs> All right, well, back to the dirt world. Sorry. Uh, no, you are all good. And speaking of Clint, you can always catch Cash at Millbridge on Dirt Vision weekly. Um, so that's definitely something you want to check out. I think he won like last week or so, which is I awesome. A few weeks ago, yeah. He yep. did. He
1: won his first race. Yeah, yeah well. Was-
0: for those of you who are playing the Millbridge drinking game, don't forget to drink. get your drink ready because we have two nights of Millbridge racing tomorrow night and Wednesday. Nice. Um, you can catch us on Dirt Vision or if you're in town for the Charlotte race, be sure to check us out. I've heard a lot of people ask if you guys are coming, so I don't know. This think, week? Yes. Tomorrow and Wednesday.
3: Is Colt McKinney running out there this week?
0: Uh, maybe. If he's, if he's
3: running, I might come on Tuesday. I've actually thought about that. Or going. the
0: fact that Chloe will be there. Why don't you just come?
2: Yeah. Well, Chloe's going to be with her boyfriend, so. Whatever.
0: Um. Uh, don't forget to check that out. I mean, just on Tuesday, Dirt Vision has a packed schedule. We've got Millbridge, uh, Extreme Outlaws, and Micros, so you'll see us there. We're about uh, late models at Stateline, uh, Jackson Motorplex, and Beaver Dam Racing just on Tuesday. So wow. that broadcast, I mean, you definitely want to check out Dirt Vision. Awesome. I watched a
2: little bit of dirt vision the other night and i believe i was watching marion center speedway which you probably have never heard of no, i've never heard of that one. yeah and it remind my, my dad used to race there on sunday nights when i was about six years old five five six years old so that was uh cool to get on there they were in a late models there um one of the series was running but it was cool to see uh go back i mean i think dave blaney won a, a sprint car
3: race a couple weeks ago
0: that uh, this last week didn't he Yes, I think we talked about that Sharon, yeah. I think. And then Johnny yeah, sure. Shots went two for two yep. in Ohio. Isn't so. Sharon
3: their home track?
1: Like uh the they own it?
2: Well, that's their uh, Blaney's home track, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. what I thought, yeah. yeah. Did yep.
1: you, did you race, uh, are you from upstate New York?
2: Uh, that's where I grew up, but my family was from western Pennsylvania, so I, my dad raced in, at like Lernerville and stuff in the mid-80s and stuff. That's where I spent most of my time, like, as a kid. So oh, cool. then we moved to New York and became a Bills fan, the only team from New York. Um
1: you're not going to get any argument from me. <laughs>
2: uh, well, they I think they play this year as well. Uh, I, I can't remember if they do or they don't. But, um, yeah, Western Pennsylvania, a lot of dirt racing there for me.
1: That's great. I was wondering, like, your background is. You drove, right?
2: I did drive, but I, I didn't drive until I was in New York, and I ran uh, all mostly asphalt tracks in Western New York, Central New York, and then moved down here and ran nine street stock races at Concord in a street stock that we built, Junior Motorsports, First race car, I guess, right? Were you Chance 2 or JRM? What were no, you No, was considered? JRM. Chance 2 was running their own deal. Okay. This is like JRM, all, everything. Um, ran nine races there and then went to, good, went to Daytona in a Goody's Dash race car. You want to talk about a speed difference? That's a big... What seat, year was that? 03.
1: 03. I might have directed that Goody's Dash race.
2: Maybe. It was range shortened. Shane Mills, I my crew chief.
1: Shane, yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely directed that race. Yeah,
2: it got shortened by rain. It was actually rain delayed I think too.
1: If it moved on the Daytona Speedway I'd have yeah. directed, you, you, directed it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ran we ran show.
2: um we ran Charlotte the night of the All Star race too, which was a lot oh, of fun. I,
1: I remember that one really yeah. well.
2: There was a lot of big wrecks in that yeah. race. Yeah. Well,
1: that was the, that was basically the what did we call it? The Daytona Dash, with was Daytona Crash Series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was a,
3: I usually call them Organ Donor Races. Well, yeah. I used to make fun of it. I would say it's the Griffin Funeral Home 500. <laughs> oh gosh, don't kid about this stuff on racing. <laughs> I know it's a, it's a joke. Thankfully, thankfully I did enjoy so, that. We've
1: been very
3: we have been blessed. been blessed. we say this on here. Dale Earnhardt saved. Saved. saved lots so, so many lives so many lives
1: so many of the stars lives. Yeah. jeff gordon's dead texas dead yeah. in pocono yeah yeah
3: the way elliot at pocono michael oh medal texas I mean, we can could keep going go through uh, but now yeah. more was, more yeah. than anybody will ever think of yeah right. million yeah. percent
0: let's move on to reaction theater
2: about two years ago after a knoxville race that the truck series ran it's about the same message
1: it's not north wilkesboro's fault
2: that the cup car sucks <laughs> hell yeah kyle larson for winning the race but to be honest i wouldn't have cared whoever won because it was cool as hell that we're back at north wilkesboro nascar fix the damn gen 7 it's terrible
3: this guy's got the same filter I have, Casey.
0: I can tell. <laughs> I literally thought it was
1: it was you without the, with different accent. Oh, he has called in.
0: <laughs> he
1: calls in his own show. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, doesn't surprise me.
0: <laughs> he just misses us when he's not here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so what he and that's it. Now we don't comment on that. No,
3: I'm tickled. I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I mean, we're we happy. You already
1: made that point. I did. We can move on. Uh,
3: Could you imagine paying good money? To go to that race, the most celebrated NASCAR race of the season. Planning a vacation around that disaster. Just got beat. My parents, who are in their 80s, my mom can't walk up a flight of stairs, and I would rather watch her try to jump rope than to sit through that race one more time. I would rather f- in my hands and clap for a dancing monkey than to watch that race again. Why is Tyler Reddick in a car with a beast on the hood? A beast. That's like Ross Chastain driving a car with a peace sign on the hood. (laughs) Tyler Reddick can't see over the steering wheel unless he's sitting on a box of phone books. great race car driver, by the way. And in the words of my wife, who won the race today? Kyle Larson, babe. (laughs) Mm, That guy's pretty good.
2: I'm pretty sure he was peeing. That's the longest pee ever.
1: That's probably what Freddie's going to do when he wakes up. Exactly, (laughs) if he hasn't already done it without waking up. (laughs) Um... So that was interesting. Do you think he wrote it out before he said it?
3: I think they definitely think through what they're going to say. Did that they? was thought out because he was Something
1: you and me have never
3: done. Never done. No, no. no. Okay. I, I, I don't
0: know if it works for him though.
3: The yeah. fact that he talked about Tyler Reddick probably has Casey fuming cuz that's her. She used that's to have her. a she used to have a I don't know what you call it, a man crush on oh, Christopher Bell. Now she's on this Tyler Reddick kid. Because Chloe are you and Chloe about? and uh, Beau are dating. And, oh, are they? Yeah, that's they're why they're they're they. That's so m- sweet. It's a Millbridge thing.
1: Have you guys started planning a wedding?
2: Casey has already, I'm sure. You Would you be, okay be She takes amazing wedding
1: photos. It'd be like Romeo and Juliet
0: She, no? she just married talks about at 14. Casey's
3: wedding right there, in case you were wondering. Yep. Yeah, amazing Those wedding photos. If you want to see some
0: photos, I, I can Thank God
3: she had a kid so we could stop watching them. I'm glad we have cameras
1: so we can put the photos up.
4: Thanks.
1: It's good. Is there more? Oh, yeah. Oh, much more, huh? Two more. Two more.
3: Young, money, good old fashioned ass whooping, spanks that ass. Damn, I wish that some could have went green the whole way. I would have loved to see just how far he could have lapped. Sad, I didn't get to see his lady chug a beer like she told Michael Walter if she was
2: going to. She did. But furthermore, did anybody catch that when he was at the flag stand getting the flag? The dude hanging on the fence wanting to hand him a
1: beer. And when Kyle actually takes it and you look at it, it's a f***ing twisted tee. Why the hell would you hand (laughs) Kyle Larson a twisted
0: tee? And I think he looked at it like, what? Grow
5: a damn set. Uh, Get
1: a real damn beer. I did notice it was a yellow can.
3: (gasps) I don't like to alcohol shame people, but if you're a dude and you're handing a a badass race car driver something... Don't hand him a twisted T. Was it Schultz? It might have been Jason <laughs> Schultz. Maybe Jason was in the crowd. Good lord. Uh, oh man. Listen, Kayla <laughs> chugged the beer. She Multiple, did She Multiple did a great times. job.
1: She was prepared.
3: Oh yeah, oh, yeah. to yeah. do it.
4: Yeah.
1: That was very impressive. Yeah. Now it did take her a little bit, but she had a game plan going into that. Yeah. And we probably should have done a whole series on that. She a had 100 f-
3: She had 145 she can, laps to plan for. It. <laughs> she <laughs> did. I, I think Fox should do a segment and you got to record this thing before race day. But you guys okay. need to do a segment on shotgun and a beer. And listen, I've shotgun beers with Clint Boyer before. We need Clint and Caitlin in a shotgun off. Yeah. Can, can we do that? Or is that not
1: doable? No. So I'm going to say no.
0: You can do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You could do it. I could do it. Yeah. I, I can't beat just, her.
0: Uh, I'd, like to I say, can be
1: I'd like to say yes, but yeah. I know the answer is no. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah, it's a bad idea, We work idea, with Brent. grown-ups. It's
2: definitely a bad yeah, idea. We work,
1: we work with grown-ups. Yeah. With like grown-up people. Grown-ups. Grown-up yep. people. Okay. Yep. Unlike. Unlike me. And yep.
3: probably me. <laughs>
1: but I'm you're
3: like, making
2: a grown-up decision,
3: right? I'm like Peter Pan. <laughs> I'm never going to grow up. Well, I just, I think Caitlin's persona is amazing. She had on the Winston Cup hat. Well, she, brought she brought it. She brought it. She brought it. She brought North Wilkesboro. She did it. She Energy. did it. She, and people, people may not know this. That is Brad Sweet's sister. So she grew up racing. racing. Like all she knows is racing. Way taller than him, well, too. She's way taller than Brad. <laughs> and she's beautiful. And, and Brad's not beautiful.
4: Oh, come on, man. He, he's
1: I not. I don't judge
3: other men.
0: And she is so nice and so cool to be around. Just the fact that she would do that on the broadcast, like, that's that's yeah. amazing. One
5: more. It's racing grassroots. Ain't no crapshoots in this all-star affair. When it was kicked back in 1996, it was the last race I thought we'd see there. But to my surprise, it's now been revived. North Wilkesboro is here. Now, Mark to Smith, if you're catching my drift, bring it back next year. Oh, I got friends in Wilkes County where the moonshine flows And the beers are plenty and there's racing all day On that speedway Oh, and I'm not big on all-star races When you have it here at my favorite place Oh, I got friends in Wilkes County
3: that was nice of Garth to call in. That was pretty good. I thought he's
2: pretty busy these days. Yeah. I met a, a guy this weekend that writes some songs for the for the show. So yeah, it's pretty cool. I met a lot of people this weekend.
3: That's what we need, Artie. We need a brand anthem for for Fox's broadcast, and we need one of our our uh, callers and our people to that to guy write, can and write a little ditty for us. Yeah, a little ditty, A little ditty, a little, ditty. A little ditty. We didn't even
1: comment. That was a pretty good ditty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he just threw that ones. together. He worked yep. hard on that. We have a lot that's of talented the f- of the four calls. That's the hardest working call.
2: I don't know. That one that was thought out it, with when he was peeing was, was pretty peeing. good.
1: <laughs> I didn't, I was trying to figure out what is, you know, what, I guess that was what it was.
2: He either has a really big fish tank or he was peeing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, let's move. <laughs> oh, don't forget. You can also send in your message, preferably when you're not going to the bathroom. Um, Just head to anchor.fm slash clear, you'll see the message icon. Don't be
3: cheating, Artie. Oh, okay.
0: And we'll keep playing (laughs) the best ones each week. Um, Moving on to Ask DBC, and I know typically we will take fan questions using hashtag Ask DBC, so keep doing that. But this week, we took a little bit of a different spin and had a few of your friends, Artie, send in some questions. I have friends well fake I mean, friends yeah okay
1: fake friends that's fine
0: people who pay <laughs> people for. i pay yeah
1: we, okay. we
3: reached out to some of your uh some of your high profile folks that, yep. that work with you like oh. caitlin vincey jamie mcmurray etc and said hey if you could and i gotta say this before we get into the segment when i reached out to caitlin the first thing she said back to me was i am so jealous i've always wanted to interview artie no way. I'm telling you, that's the first thing she said back. Yes. And then she sent me like 77 questions, and Casey and I went through them. And <laughs> That's because she's a professional interviewer. She is, yeah. So and we'll let Casey kick this does. thing off. Yes, yeah, so right. the
0: first one is from Caitlin. What sporting event that you directed will you remember forever?
3: No.
1: There's a, there's a lot. I mean, 2001 Daytona 500 Fair. is big. And the super, first Super Bowl I did, and the first Masters I did. So it's not one you know, it's like I have three kids, so I have three events. How's that? They're all your favorite.
3: That, that's great. And listen, the Daytona 500 you reference obviously has a lot of tragedy to it, but it also has Michael Waltrip winning his first-ever cup race, obviously first-ever Daytona 500. Um, what Dale Earnhardt envisioned when he hired Michael to come to work for him. Now Michael is on your team and has been for a long time. What, what's your relationship like with Michael?
1: Well, first of all, I'll tell you, I actually got chills when you started talking about that. I really did just now because it was just incredible – it was just an incredible thing. You talk about when you elation and tragedy all within like a second. That's what I experienced. I I knew that um, I knew that Dale was dead pretty much when I saw Schrader, and um, I also saw Michael in Victory Lane. I saw Junior in Victory Lane, and just saw all this stuff happening independent of each other. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Now Michael is the Michael is the nicest person I think I know. He is really just a wonderful and nice person. And he once said to me, he goes, Artie, Artie, is somebody telling him that Michael Waltrip was mean to them? They're lying. And he is. Michael is just such an easygoing guy. He'll do whatever you need to do. He, but he works at it. He knows it. You know, he works on all three series. You know, so he keeps up on everything that's going on. I love the fact that he's been successful you know, even though after, you know, Michael Walter Brace, had to close down and all the, you know, the hard work that went into that. And then it kind of ended. Now he's just doing great. So I love working with Michael and I love Michael, period.
4: Yeah.
3: Same for me, man. He's done so much for me in my career. He's the first two drivers I started with was Ellie and Michael. Um, and what great guys. And, and Michael is he, he's an awesome guy. So I got the next question. It's from our buddy Hermie Sadler. And he told me about a weekend where you guys were roommates on his bus and, and you had a plumbing issue.
1: Well, I don't, let's, let's make, I wasn't a roommate on Hermie's bus. Like I, I just was a guest that wouldn't leave.
3: <laughs> You're a permanent <laughs> yeah. fixture.
1: I was a permanent fixture and you know why, but, but back in the early two thousands and you know, most of you guys that don't remember this, you couldn't get to the track. Forget about leaving the track. You couldn't get to the track sometimes on Saturday. So Hermie and I had, you know, created this bond through autism and I was telling him I go oh, I'd love to stay track you can stay with me Artie Artie just stay with me and I stayed with the Saddler. I stay with Hermie probably more than half the races and sometimes with Angie and at the time the two girls before the third girl was born. Right. It was already on the couch and the four or five saddlers back in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So uh, my, my first time staying, I may have not understood how a motor coach toilet worked. Um, I think that might be what Hermie is probably referencing. There was uh, not a good smell and there wasn't. <laughs> Hermie had to do a lot of things that he hadn't planned on doing. So he had to clean up your <laughs> He had <laughs> I love it. I yeah.
3: love it. Well, uh, the TJ is going to go next. And, and the guy that he's got a question from is, is the Pied Piper.
2: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> next year. Who's Wilkes- it from, TJ? Dell Jr. Um, next year, points race, 400 laps, or all star again at Wilkesboro?
1: So I would love i would love to see a thursday night before easter north wilkesboro cup race and that's what i'd like to see for points now that's just me i think it would be so awesome a standalone everybody gets there one day one day shoot and you know it saves the holiday which is really important and it gets us back to north wilkesboro for a race that's that's just my Thing. It doesn't come from Fox, doesn't come from anybody. That's just something I'd love to do, but there's, you know, there's math and money that has to go into that. Lots of that. Yeah.
0: Well, since uh, we're still missing Freddie over here, I'll go ahead and ask this question, which is from Jamie Mack. Biggest changes you've ever liked or disliked in NASCAR over the last 20 plus years?
1: Well, if I, I, I don't comment on the cars and the t- technology. I mean, I I, sh- I guess maybe I shouldn't because I don't know anything about it, really. I do hate the fact that the cars are all the same. I mean, I loved when the Monte Carlo looked like the Monte Carlo, and, you know, everybody drove the different cars. They were stock cars back then. But that kind of, that era kind of went. I, I hated the 2007 car, um, yeah with well, the wing the wing I mean oh, I, I just yeah, hate it because bad. what I always thought a stock car was not a racing car it, like it, it, we built a race car we built a stock car and we made it fast yeah right so that's what I loved about NASCAR and stock car racing and that changed, and there's a lot of reasons why it changed, and I don't really understand the technical reasons. But I would, wouldn't you love to see those real makes and models out there, like in the old days? Like in the old days, like you talk about 12 or 13 different cars being out on the track. I'm talking about the 60s. Yeah. You know, and it was cool. And I love the Ford, Chevy. You know the battles. You know you were a Ford guy. You were a Chevy guy.
3: Motor City battles. Right. I yeah. mean it was big. And that yeah.
1: little Dil- Dilbert, the cartoon guy, would be peeing on top of the Ford if they were <laughs> right. Chevy guy. All them stickers. Right.
3: Yeah. yeah. So what we need now is a Ross character pissing on stuff. Well, I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> I'm sure it is. It,
0: if it's you, call in.
3: Yeah. But I, that's that's the thing. I,
1: I just wish that the cars would look different.
3: You're, you're right. And, and I guess I'm going to take it a step further and ask you a question. And this is about TV again, not about the cars um, in terms of what they are specifically. But these bodies are so damn durable. Does it does it piss you off when you see guys just bang into things and they don't have to pit to fix it anymore? Like from a production standpoint, not from the technical standpoint of making the body. I personally don't like a common body like we've got, a one-piece body. Do, do you wish that we had more drama when guys make contact? Yeah. But I also, what I don't,
1: what I hated is when a car came out with had no chance to do anything but run a lap yeah. or two and was running for points in, in, in those times. And they just, they, they weren't like, there's going to be slow cars, but then there was crap. Yeah. You know, and the car was uh, beat to hell. Yeah. Right. And it didn't belong in the racetrack. So I don't miss that at all. But yeah, you see a guy smack, you know, really smack the wall hard. Sometimes it's rear end to front end and, and they're still mm-hmm. driving. Yeah. I mean, Michael like, McDowell, yesterday was dog
2: tracking.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean
1: it's, 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 look, technology is important and they tried it out with the, right, the Xfinity cars first. And it saves people a lot of money. This sport, the, one of the biggest issues the sport has is it costs a lot of money, you yeah. know, to put one guy in one race car. Yeah. You know, it's costing you 20-plus million dollars a year to field a competitive car. Right. Like, so, you know, we're asking so many different things of of the different areas of people. Yeah, we want a sturdy car, a stable car, so we don't have to replace these cars. You know, we don't have to build for 32 cars for a season. And then we're kind of criticizing them for, oh, this car is too damn durable. So which way do we want it? Right. Sometimes we want to serve durability. Sometimes we don't. We don't. Yeah. Okay. What we do need is cautions. We do need cautions. We need more cautions because when the fields get back, backed up and the, they got bunched together, you get great racing. Yeah. And there was some good racing, by the way, we haven't talked about that in the back of the field. Kyle just checked out cause he was just damn better than everybody was. And the car was better than everyone. They just found that magic sauce between, you know, between cliff and him. Um, but there was some good racing that was going on. Yeah. You know, the caution, a caution bunch up the field would have really helped us. Uh, maybe next year we should run a little bit more of heat type stuff. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm talking about knockout heat stuff.
4: Right.
3: And you come out there and – So you like that idea as a TV guy. Like run some knockout races.
1: I, I love – my personal opinion, not to the point of anybody else, is that I would love some knockout races, but I want second chance and I even want third chance yeah. because I want our stars to have a chance to make sure they're in the main.
3: Here's what I had in my brain yesterday. Yeah. I, want to, I want to still pay a million bucks to the winner. But I want to pay a hundred thousand dollars to the guy who passes the most cars. I think that's a
1: great idea. But now you also have to do quality passes because when you start adding up those passes, if you're outside, you know, if you keep dropping, you keep dropping back and passing right. people, right? You, like I can't beat Larson, yeah. right? I can't. Uh, so I'm yeah. going to just it keep dropping to the back and then just running to the front. Yeah. Okay. So you also have to count the dropbacks.
3: Right. Okay? Right. You're talking about the, the, the guy that starts the deepest and pat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not Larson. I mean, wins. legit, whoever passes the most cars, because guess what that incentivizes him to do at a place like Northwestboro. Move them. Move them.
1: Yeah. That's what you want. That's what short track racing's has always been. Move them. Move them. And I think people tried to move people. Is that but- an event
2: that we could experiment with, like, package-wise, too? Like, maybe we find a different... You know, maybe we have different... Um,
3: we talked about last week. Run what you've Like A bring, bigger bring, motor.
2: Bring, bring, less, bring some different stuff. One thing that I saw is this isn't... You can't move a guy, and they can't... I've seen many guys... I've seen them make contact next to the corner, and back. everything that I've grown up watching racing, if you make contact with the back of that car, it's going to wiggle that guy. It does nothing but shoot Propels this guy out. off this corner. Yeah. And that's how these guys would get to each other in the middle. The only way to move a guy now... Is to overdrive the entry and get down, get on them on entry and shove them out of the way. You can't. I saw uh, Chase Briscoe worked the back of Logano's bumper for lap after lap in the middle of the corner. Every time he would hit him, knock him away. And in the truck or Xfinity car, that is not going to happen like that. If you bump that guy in front of you, it's going to. He is going. He's not going to be able to throttle up. So let so. me
1: let me ask you guys because I I don't know the answers to this. Like the the, the rear diffuser and everything. The weight of that rear end now is that heavier than the weight has ever been comparatively and does that mean that that's why they can't that that bump really projects uh, them i don't think it's just
2: forward i don't think it's a rear weight thing it's just the car stuck it's a sports car now we're 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 this far off the ground everywhere we go mm-hmm. and they got we have more tire than we ever have and less motor
1: and so, you guys always talk about and this is once again i'm outside of my really my sphere of understanding i live but in that world more, Horsepower would be would create more racing because it would set the better drivers Uh, apart. Well, they got to have less, I think they got to have less grip, less grip, more horsepower. Yeah, because yeah, put them on the edge. Like, whenever the like, I always believe this, we talk about this a lot on TV. If the drivers are complaining about something, we need to keep it. If the drivers are happy, we need to get rid of it. And I don't mean that to criticize them. No, I get it. Th- look, they want to be comfortable. Yeah. They want to be damn comfortable. This is what I do. I want oh, yeah. They're also but, selfish. But yes. they're, they're selfish because this is what they do. We all want to be yeah. comfortable in our lives. But what makes racing great is when you can deal with the discomfort of what's uh, around you. And the better racers deal with the discomfort. If you make them too comfortable, they're, it, it ends up not as, being as good racing. You know, no grip, <laughs> you know, hot day, yeah. right? A lot of horsepower.
2: That's what right? I want, yeah.
1: And and I always think, I think the cars, should, I don't think they should even know what the package is. I think they should get there on Sunday and this is the package and help guys figure it <laughs> Surprise.
4: out. Surprise, Right? Yeah. Surprise. This what we got yeah. this week.
0: On that topic of trying something new, I know NASCAR, again, tested out those wet weather tires. What did you think of, of that?
3: I thought it was awesome. Same. I yeah. thought it was the greatest. Uh, yes. It's the
1: unknown. and yep. Oh, we, we, we have a, n- a little known now that we can do that. Yep. And this is what... Marcus and I were talking about this. This Is what the All-Star Race sometimes it brings to you? It brought the shootout style restarts to NASCAR, which is now you know this is what makes Sonora. it really cool. Yeah, right. Instead of having those those, those lappers on, on the, the inside, yeah, yeah, it was crazy back then. But this is what makes it really cool. You saw something and it worked. And listen, credit NASCAR, credit, credit juice on for you know, just on Hamilton for getting you know for those guys up there agreeing. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're doing this, Elton Sawyer. We're going to do it. It's not a rain tire. It's a wet weather package. And it worked. And those tires were soft, and they had a race on them, Mm -hmm. and they had a deal with that, and it was
3: really cool. Here's when I bought into the whole wet weather tire thingy is when we were at the Roval, and it was an absolute downpour, and we watched those guys go out there and get on the oval portion of the track hauling ass And I was like, man, if we can go out here and run 140-plus miles an hour at Charlotte Motor Speedway through turns two and down the backstretch, there's no reason that our audience on TV and our audience in person shouldn't be able to see a race when it's wet. And that's what they've done. It was fun. It was fun. It was great. It'd be hard to run an oval in rain like that. But
2: they did a, I think what they're doing with the rain tires, putting them on, and I almost wish we would just race on the rain tires in the dry because they're on top of the track. They're sketchy a little bit, and they're a handful.
1: And maybe that, you know, look, Goodyear has such a, such a contrast in what they're trying to do. Mm, always, right? yeah. And that's the biggest problem. I mean, you can't always just blame Goodyear or blame NASCAR. Sometimes it's just like that. that this is business. Like, Goodyear doesn't want their tires going to crap. No. And uh, what, I always, no. what I've always talked about with our guys is, like, when we see a tire shredding, We need to talk about, Goodyear said the recommended air pressure is no less than 20 or 14 pounds or whatever the hell it is. Mm -hmm. They started that car at six. (laughs) You know, remember California? This is human air. Exactly. They're trying something. So they paid the price. It's not Goodyear's paying paying the price. And I think sometimes people are a little bit, I think you're living your own little world. And you think that everybody is looking at this world going, you're not going to sell as many tires. But if we we talk about the fact that this is what the crew chiefs are doing, this is what the engineers are telling Mm -hmm. them to do, we're going to start at six pounds of air pressure and it'll build up and then at lap 22 we're right on the sweet spot. If people understand that a little bit then I don't think Goodyear takes as much heat.
3: No, and listen, Goodyear, they're trying to sell tires to the consumer. Last thing they want is a tire quote blowing because they don't want yeah. people to fear blowing a tire if they're a consumer putting it on their passenger car and and, and to your point, I am for a soft tire. Our cars have way too much downforce, too little horsepower and Goodyear has probably the hardest job of anybody with these corner speeds being higher than they've ever freaking been with this particular style of yeah. car. Well, and, and, uh, and oh, by the way, let's go to a track that hadn't been paved since the 80s. Yeah. 81, I think, was when they said they paved. It's not paid. just a uh, tire pressure either. Like,
2: Matt, we all know that camber in the right front makes a turn. You it's, it,
1: it's everything that engineers say. Goes right? And they get that, and the crew is going, this is how you're going to get fast when you need to be fast. Right? Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, the technology and the, the, I would tell you, the human horsepower Mentality goes into setting these cars up now. It's just remarkable to me. Yeah. how much goes into it I don't think people really understand how many people are working on making this car go fast and mm. doing the right things And I'm amazed at the technology that NASCAR has and maybe that's one of the problems is that you know Back in the day we run carburetors and manifolds and we're not getting into that indie car stuff We're not getting into that Formula One crap. We're right. just gonna be old-school driving right right some of that, and, and then all of a sudden, engineers are here, and yeah. they're telling you what to do. Yeah, like I was with Daryl and Rusty when you talked to them. I mean, they would they were making changes. You guys remember? Oh, dude, they, was, they, would, they would they would tell you what to do in the car. In car. Yeah. Well, you know, that was Rusty. You know, back at the end, he was <laughs> wanting to make those changes. The engineer would go, no, that won't work. Yeah. And the engineer was yeah, right. Right. But once the engineer t- engineers take over, the sport becomes a little different. Yeah. We're a lot different, and a it is a different. lot different now.
3: Yeah. yeah. What an idiot.
0: It's time for What an Idiot, and I think our number one contender is the guy who can't defend himself because
4: he's not here.
3: Yeah, Freddie's definitely an idiot. Um, I really wanted to give my What an Idiot to the Crum family up in uh, Hickory. It's on my list. Motors- I got multiples this yeah, week. I, I did two this week, um, but I really want to give to the Crum family for uh, – just being idiots, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna actually give it to the guy who may have the best tanning secrets in all of NASCAR. <laughs> and what I'm gonna ask of him is at the end of the show when we take our picture, I would love for him to take his hat off and his shirt. And I don't know about his pants, I don't know what his legs look like. But our no, producer really Andrew, the- Andrew what Curlin, do? what do you want? What, what are your intentions, Brett? Andrew Curlin is burnt to a legit crisp. He threw that baby oil on. He Dude. thought he was a 16-year-old on the beach <laughs> what with a. The- <laughs> Did you put on nothing that was the problem. Yeah, it was what day did this Saturday. happen?
5: Saturday, Saturday, oh, so it's been two race. days. So it was overcast. If y'all were there on Saturday yeah. for most of the day, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be okay. And then uh, I go in okay. the infield, and uh, the crossover gate closes. And I can't get to my sunscreen in the car, and yeah. then the sky just because there's up.
3: no sunscreen in the infield. This is awesome. You know, I probably should have. I'm gonna tell you what it looks like. You found as a. Tannenbae is laying in there for the rest of the day. I,
1: I know some people. If next time you can just text me, I'll, I'll get them.
5: Get I'm, yeah,
1: I'll, I'll just go to the Fox Featherlight. Jamie will help you out.
2: You know or he Regan. put uh, diesel in his dad's gas-powered car, right? <laughs> no, come
1: on.
3: <laughs> you didn't know that? He's doing a
1: racing podcast and he did that?
3: What, yeah. like, what generation are you considered to be? I'm curious. Uh, that's a There's good There's no letter from him. you
2: Gen Z? Gen Z.
1: Are you a Gen Z, really?
2: Oh, f- You can't okay. even... You know how hard you have to work to get that in
1: there?
5: Like it doesn't even fit. it doesn't fit no right. right there's
1: a reason it doesn't fit and it's green by the way
5: yeah yeah well I learned that lesson for sure I definitely okay.
4: learned. <laughs> yeah. we, we hired the, uh, Mike
2: hired him just see <laughs> before the sunburn
1: though yeah
2: but after the fuel. Okay, Andrew congratulations uh,
3: you're my what an idiot.
0: Artie, do you have any idiots for your Oh, come week?
1: on. I'm
3: here myself,
1: so True. why the hell did I do this, right? True. Uh, I did this because I, like, I enjoy Brett a lot. I always oh, have. Oh,
0: well, there's your idiot comment of the day.
1: I know, and I wanted to meet TJ and Freddie in person because <laughs> here's why I'm here. I didn't tell you guys. This is why I came today, Freddie, and thank you once again for honoring me with your presence, is that, you know, for years, we use your voices on television Sometimes for entertainment value, especially you, (laughs) you could be a little funnier, TJ.
2: (laughs) When when I go, it's
1: hard hard for me to,
2: it's hard for me to get like that. When I go, when I
1: work, when I go to spot races, I am. You're in
2: it. You have to give him credit
0: though. Post Penske, TJ is way more fun.
1: Okay. Bottom line is we've been using your voices for years and it's great stuff. I think that's one of the things that sets NASCAR apart and racing apart is you get the radio communication, which is usually very serious stuff that you guys are doing and really interesting stuff. When you guys are talking about other people's lines and just laying that stuff out for those guys, then you realize that this is like a team effort. It's really cool. Yeah, the driver's got the – he's got the wheel but he doesn't know that line worked Mm -hmm. until you told him that line worked. So I really appreciate that so much in the broadcast that we get a chance to kind of eavesdrop on you guys and use that, so.
3: I I was very fortunate in my career already to spot for Elliot, who I had a tremendous relationship with. I mean, he's like a brother to me. Jeff Burton, who I had known when I started spotting for him for over a decade. Um, And then obviously Clint, who was somebody before I started spotting for him. We went on vacations together, went to bike week at Myrtle Beach. Um, So when I put my headset on, it was just like talking to you right now. It wasn't like I've got to lock in and go into character and be this guy. Like, it was like I've got a job to do. Um, and, And you being a football guy, I've always looked at spotting as I'm an offensive coordinator in this particular part of the game. And the offensive coordinator has a job to do. And I take that job very serious. Safety first. And competition second. Because last thing I want my guy to do is wreck. And the first thing I want my guy to do is haul ass. So what can I do to keep him in the moment, keep him safe, keep him hauling ass? But at the same time, if we're under caution or something stupid happens, my personality is to say it like I see it. So I appreciate you saying that because I can tell you, I, I personally love watching and hearing Radioactive unless my name is on the screen. And then I'm like, oh, what did I say? Because oh. I just never know. I love Radioactive Tuesday. I I, I watch, you know, I, I watch The
1: Hub. And, and Tuesday, of course, is my favorite day to watch The Hub. And I always wanted to be interesting. I want to see who was funny. I want to see, I want to hear the good, you know, the good stuff. And radioactive is one of the great things. And we can access that stuff. Yeah. uh, You know, live. Yeah. And we're trying to do it. We're actually working on the technology that radioactive kind of uses because they have time to break it down. But we've got this technology that we're working on, which does kind of do the readout like formula one. has. Wow. Yeah. So it's not perfected yet. It's still a little bit of a science experiment, but I would love to be able to do more of it. Look, I, 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 Clint, you shouldn't be listening to this or Mike or anybody else in the booth. But it would be cool to just do a race with natural sound. Right. And you do need some. I be cool, PAs especially though. a short race. But right, not yeah. not yeah. you know. And you know, by the way, short races. Maybe on Saturdays we have short races with cup guys, little yeah. sprint stuff like they're doing at F1 now. Just get the crowd out there to see these guys right. race a little right. bit. Um, but doing doing the radio and listening to you guys work. Um, is really a lot of fun.
3: My favorite Clint Boyer conversation we ever had uh, under caution over the radio is I don't know what happened, but a Kenny Rogers song. I don't know if I started singing it or if it was on the PA system or whatever, and we started talking about Kenny Rogers. And then we started talking about Islands in the Stream with with Dolly Parton. (laughs) And I asked Clint, point blank, I said, man, do you think they ever did it? So we were talking about Kenny and Dolly Shh. and making Whoopi. Remember that, that love show? What was that? Was it Love Connection? Love Connection, Okay, yeah. Chuck Woolery. Yeah, yeah Chuck two Woolery. Two and two. They're talking yeah, about of Whoopi. Of course. Yeah. I was like, you think Kenny and Dolly ever, <sighs> like, did it? Jeez.
2: Oh, <laughs> I'm up there trying to figure out who's got what sets of tires left and who's on different strategy. Brett's That's over engineer's here. problem.
1: Well, you never work with Boyer. True. <laughs> <laughs> <Good laughs> Lord. Right? If we'd have kept
2: it serious with him, we'd have been in big trouble. I will say that we did have, when I was with Dell Jr., we had we had our own little system. Uh, you'll hear me say like, I used to say one bar that meant like the Redskins really, one. No, no. That was the pizza delivery. <laughs> pizza um, delivery. Okay. <laughs> um,
4: <laughs>
2: if I said, Hey, the pizza just got delivered. It means I saw that they, that Washington one, but, uh, no, we had a, a system of, you know, the, if you went by us and you hit us in the door, you'd be one bar, like your cell phone signal. It's not very good. Oh, okay. Yeah. We were like, Hey, I I, outside one bar. That means give that guy a little bit more room. Right. So yeah. We had a system. Who was that your, that, get,
1: wait a second, hold on. Get okay, okay. That's what you had. Oh, yeah. In one bar?
2: One bar. Yeah, if somebody yeah, got it. into us
3: and he got, you know. I want to know who a one bars. bar was. Oh, there was a handful. No, I want to know a name of a one bar. I don't Uh, want you to be a wimp right here. Like, I want you to lay it out there. Probably
4: Clint Boyer. Who's
3: a one bar? I
2: mean, it's just people you didn't want to be beside them. Probably, I mean, back then it was probably like Sam Hornish. (laughs) Okay, all right. But, I mean, an Indy car, Sam Hornish would drive around you in in a heartbeat. But but. it was
1: an Indy car. No, it was not an Indy car. People have tried that. One guy's been successful. Yeah, it was
4: uh, a badass
1: Stewart. Yes. It's a lot harder to drive these cars than it is to drive anything else.
2: Absolutely. Yep, it is. We're getting ready to see... You know, obviously this weekend coming up, I'm surprised Brett hasn't said anything about it yet. TJ, your turn. What an idiot! Uh, my bad. Sorry. We'll get there. You know, I got three of them. Oh uh, wow! Well, the Hickory fight's ridiculous. Yeah. That that's, you know, that that I from what I saw on track didn't never you should never use your car as a weapon like that. Like there's a difference between me brushing, you know, you I brush you into the wall a little bit, you send me up there, and it wasn't even like a bad. It was just like a a nudge. Didn't even like. Mess them up bad. And then the right hook really makes me mad uh, on the front, missing it, and then actually putting other people involved in the wreck that weren't even a part of it. Uh, then the whole thing on the spotter stand where one guy walks up and just blindsides another guy, breaks his nose, swells his eyes shut, then starts kicking him when he's on the ground. These people should probably be suspended from all the racetracks that they arrested. try to go to or, or arrested. arrested. So um, there's just no, I get it, you know. It, tempers flare but there's a line and using your race car like that as a as a weapon and tore up your own car more than you tore up the other car if that's the big that's already worse um just no place in it for that and i know i know land a little bit i know i know his dad and i raced against his dad many times in a dash series um good really good guy but that's just short track racing there was nothing there that i saw that deserved a guy to get his nose broke his eyes well shut and, and uh, a tore up race car so that's my first what an idiot my second one was freddie uh for getting kind of stuck in the racetrack with the gates i don't know if you guys knew that or not oh truck race stuff we're up we're getting ready to like roll off for the truck race and there's no freddie well apparently he was stuck inside the racetrack so
1: wow yeah now i'll tell you that last week when you introduced him Right? When he introduced himself, he said, spotter for uh, Bubba Wallace and the Cup Series and uh, for the Truck Series. That's right, I spotted for Bubba. (laughs) He forgot what he had done on Saturday. He forgot. Yeah. Yeah, He just forgot. Uh, Saturday, I guess, was that far away. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me what's happened. Uh, No,
2: he got up there super late. So, and then uh, obviously Freddie for completely throwing away his obligations this morning of his other part time job. So, uh, And then the the individual um, behind the spotter stand. There's a row of port-a-johns. Yep. I'm sure you saw them there. Yeah. Uh, somebody went into the first one and not to use the restroom for the restroom, but went in there to blow a motor. And that's probably is that not the last place you'd want to yeah, you go? You should blow a motor outside. There's nothing but like weeds and stuff out back. Yeah. I, I don't know how you go in there and blow a motor. Like, well, like. That's not the ideal place. So that, and they didn't even make it into the area where you should have thrown up, too. Uh, it was, like, oh, everywhere.
1: I so. didn't know that this was going to include gastrointestinal distress. <laughs> we <didn't laughs> uh, yeah. As well as... Well, people would open the door to go in there and be like... Violent uh, oh, puking. Oh, no. Not
2: going
4: yeah. Just what okay. we needed.
1: It was
2: definitely violent.
0: Well, uh, I think that's a perfect time to move on to DVC picks. Congratulations, Brett.
3: You won winning. a race that didn't even count. <laughs>
0: yup, Picking Kyle Larson. You
3: guys gave me first pick. I picked the best driver in the world. Well,
0: and you've and had a first what pick he did. successful.
4: You
2: realize you had a first pick a lot right now because you haven't basically. Oh,
4: yep. You're I'm ahead of
2: Freddie. I'm not in. last anymore. And last
0: year you used to make fun of me for how much I was losing. Did and-
2: you give him credit for that? What? You gave him credit for the win. For the win, yeah.
0: He won. We won't be
2: doing yeah, this. Yeah, but I years. mean, damn. I it's mean, his you third All Star win. Two All Star race. Him, you give him first pick with a whole open roster. So. If I, if I don't know, now that I've thrown the previous clearly, race away, he
0: clearly needed no, it. That's... Oh, I would say Freddie goes first. Are we gonna pick for Freddie?
3: Freddie's he's done. Freddie right. gets He's DNQ. He's you D- want me to D- pick? DNS. Do you I want, I want start. me to pick for yeah, Freddie? No, no. Gonna, I'll no, pick Josh Bylicki. There you go. Okay, <laughs> that's who he's got.
1: Perfect. That
2: is. Uh, I, like. you Actually, did, I do like did. that idea. I do like that idea.
1: There should be some sort of repercussions for not.
0: We are nothing
1: personal about Josh because I think he's you know he's racing hard every week. Yeah,
2: but you that's should what i pick Not
0: racing, uh, T.J.
3: Oh, the 600, huh?
0: That is where you're going,
3: <sighs> Artie. Who would you take if you could pick anybody in the field?
0: Nope. Uh, no,
3: Kyle Larson, solid choice. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not kind of surprised by that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. T.J. I'm getting there. You chill. Wait, Brett, um, who did you
0: pick? He didn't pick. Him.
3: Oh, yeah. He I go last. I won last week. That's right. That's, right.
0: That's right. Be nice.
3: Mondays, oh, right? <laughs>
4: uh, <My> sunburns
3: <laughs> your brain up. <laughs> really did. He's had a lot
2: of speed lately. Probably before I uh, got sunburned. This is a long race. It's taking and, you a long time to pick, too. And this guy knows how to work his way forward no matter where he qualifies. He did it at Darlington, and if he would have, he'd almost won at Darlington. So I'm going to go with the closer.
3: I'm going with Kevin Harvick.
1: That's a good pick.
3: Boy, he didn't want to put those rain tires on this weekend, did he? He did not. And I think
1: he was quite articulate about that.
3: <laughs> he did a good job of explaining he didn't want to do that.
0: I will take a big underdog here, Kyle Larson. Thanks, Hardy. <laughs>
3: Wow, that's cool you got Larson left. You get to pick Larson third. Wow, that's mm-hmm. the steal. Strategy. Um, I'm going to go with – I'm laying up right here because I'm picking last. And Don't make excuses, just make a pick. I am, I, I, but I was looking at somebody. I'm going to go with uh, Ricky Stenhouse. Junior. Junior, junior. Junior, junior. Who wrecked himself yesterday. I'm saving him for the plates if I can. Yeah. If he's there.
0: Oh, well, thank you, as always, Artie. You- Code
3: 600, Artie, longest race of the year. Oh, yeah. What We're do you do to stay awake during that thing?
1: It's never a problem to stay awake, Brett. Uh, I get jazzed up.
3: Yeah? Yeah. Roger Pence can stay up for a complete 24
2: hour race, he can do the 600. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing that he can do that.
3: What's your favorite part I'm about the 600? Roger Pence, I know. He's What's your favorite an part about a the 600, legend, Artie? A legend.
1: My favorite part about the 600? I guess the pomp the, the the whole setup to it, I think it's really cool. I love it when the when the choppers come down now and those yeah. guys come repelling out of there. I mean i don't love as I always say about the six hundred because five hundred wasn't enough um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I do enjoy the weekend a lot. I think it's really cool. I always like to remind people that Memorial Day is a commemorative day, not a happy celebration day. And I think it's a really important thing, and I think for NASCAR, especially of all the sports, um, and I think it's, I think it's really important.
3: One of the greatest days in racing.
1: Oh, it's the I, I love waking up and having a race,
3: and I love then watching another race, and yeah. I got to fit
1: meetings and stuff in between them, yeah. and I'm always trying to figure out exactly when I should have those meetings, which is the different schedule than
2: yeah, the, other the track way. plays it the N D 500 on the big screen as well.
3: Yeah, and it's yeah, going on. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, I look at, at Memorial day as uh and, and this is easy for me to say because I didn't serve, but when people say happy Memorial day, some people get upset and, and I basically rationalize that as they didn't sacrifice their lives for us to be sad. And, and they gave all, and we need to appreciate that. And we're able to do what we do on Memorial Day here in the United States of America, run the Coca-Cola 600, because of that sacrifice. They protect our freedom. One of the coolest things ever said to me, you'll appreciate this. I was at San Antonio, Texas, uh, where they bring all the uh, the guys in for the United States Air Force when they basically sign up and enlist and, and to go through basic, right? Yeah. And a general walked in, a three-star general, and he said, if our, si- if our skies – are not safe, neither are we. What you guys do in the motorsports world to help us recruit young men and women to come join the United States Air Forces and port it to our freedom. And so when I look at the sponsorship of the United States and back in the day, the Army car, Dell Jr. had National Guard for a while, um, I, I, I literally like it's easy for fans to look at that and go, man, why why would you put our military on the side of a race car? Well, they did it to recruit talented men and women. Because when you bring a race car to a high school, what do kids want to do? They want to look at it. It gives a recruiter an opportunity to have a conversation with those young people and ultimately come in and protect our freedom. So I look at Memorial Day as a special day of the year, like you said. But I do appreciate the racing. Um, I would love to go to Monaco if I were rich. I would love to. I, I would love to
1: direct the Indy Five Hundred and the Coke in one day. God. So I, like that almost happened because we were in the bidding for. Um, for Indy against and, ABC, right? Yeah, yeah. And I walked into a, actually, to the, uh, the last All Star game that was played at the Old Yankee Stadium, and my boss, the aforementioned David Hill, looked at me. He goes, "Audie, you were almost going to direct the Indy 500 and the Coke 600." And I said, "What happened?" He goes, "I told Tony George we weren't interested." <laughs> He didn't say it that way. But basically he said Tony George wasn't he wasn't interested. He, was, he used yeah. other words. Yeah. And I Probably go, F-off. Well, that bums me out. Yeah. He goes, "Fucking and break.
3: Well, there's been drivers that do the double. I don't know if a yeah. spotter's ever done the double. That'd be cool. I don't think so. You gotta I'd have that him. plane thing. Yeah. Larson's yeah. supposed to run it next year, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So in theory, his spotter should be able to do the double.
1: Who spots for Larson?
2: Tyler Mont. Oh, okay. Yeah. I should know that, right? There is a um I did have a group of fans message me, and it's uh there's like three or four of them that are doing the Indy 500. They're going and getting a little four seater plane. that I guess one of them has, and they're flying to Charlotte to make the 600. Nice. Can I get on that?
0: That's, that's awesome.
2: A cool deal. I thought it was pretty. He asked yeah. me if I know if anybody's ever done, it, and I said I don't. I have never heard of anybody doing that. No, but happy, that's pretty cool. Happy
3: uh, Coca Cola 600, Indy 500, Monaco GP week. Just don't drink until you get. Hey, don't uh, forget like,
1: about drivers only. Drivers only. Drivers so only. Xfinity race. We yeah. got. We got Joey and. and, and oh, Kevin. that's always
0: a cool broadcast. It's
1: always great, and these guys are so good. Blaney. I mean, Bubba. I'm. I'm. I'm pumped. I'm actually directing. I don't usually direct the Xfinity yeah. races, but I'm going to direct, and Pam, I, I, you, Pam's going to
3: produce. You bring up Bubba's name. I'm going to. i to talk about this for a minute. He was caught flipping the camera off yesterday. <laughs> And I want to was tell he you guys. Was flipping the
1: camera off? No, or?
3: he wasn't flipping the camera off. No. That's what I want to talk about. Freddie yeah. was supposed to talk about it, but clearly he's not here to talk. So, Bubba was in the process of. Listen, the guy just ran a race. The guy just finished second. He's bummed. Most other races, second place would be great. Not when the winner wins a million bucks and you win $7,500. It sucks. Okay, so he gets out of the car and he's trying to basically just chill out. Well, his PR guy is in the background behind the camera basically making the motion of get your collar corrected yeah. so that we can have all of our so brands displayed for this guy. interview and listen there's a lot of hand signals that go on between guys at the racetrack but when his pr guy was trying to tell him or pr gal i don't know his pr people when they were trying to tell him basically arrange yourself to be appropriated for this interview mm-hmm. he, he took the time to hold his middle finger up to basically say off I'm I'm ready I just ran a race I'm mad and that's Bubba's personality people listen don't if, if you want to hate Bubba Wallace that's okay if you want to love Bubba, Bubba Wallace that's okay I, I said last night if I were Bubba Wallace I would call Vince McMahon today and I would fly to Connecticut <laughs> Bristol Connecticut and I would say put me through 48 Stanford. hours is that where it is yeah okay put me through four. Bristol's where ESPN, ESPN is, is yeah. um put me through 48 hours of training of how to be a heel Because we're to the point to where Bubba is our biggest heel in NASCAR. But listen, this middle finger was not toward the camera guy. It wasn't toward Fox Sports. It wasn't toward the fan base. It was toward his PR person. It was a funny dit. It was. Exactly. So let it go. Let it go.
2: Yeah, Let it go. It was just a caught in a moment thing. It wasn't like he was. No, I flip you off all the time. You flip me off all the time.
1: Hey, in my first podcast, can I end this? Yeah, please. Okay, because I have to run to the restroom as soon as we're over. Is that how we usually finish this? Yeah, Yeah. we We can't. I will Whether jump Brett over the table.
3: Not. Yeah, thank you for coming.
1: Yeah, oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, this is yep. a lot of fun because I got a chance to
3: talk. Well, <laughs> you got a chance to talk. You never have a microphone or a camera on you. I don't you got deserve
1: both. a microphone. I got smart people that talk yeah. on air.
3: Uh, I love you, buddy. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thank oh, you for coming on. See you guys. We're, We're out.
0: Have a great week.
3: Yep. See ya at Millbridge.
2: An all-new episode of Speed Street is out now. Be sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, and never miss another Speed Street episode.
5: This bit of badassery was badassery was made by Dirty
1: Mo Media. Dirty Mo.